that time of week again. I gotta say, I like our new setup, being able to just walk in, pick up where we left off last week. Yeah, I didn't have to set anything up special. It was already here. Levels are pretty much. Yeah, they're pretty much the same. On par. Um, yeah, it's it's really nice. It's really quite sweet. So this is the new top podcast. It is episode one fourteen one one four. It is hot as fuck. Officially, I think that's the temperature. <laughs> Fucking hell outside. Um, the whole world's on fire, uh, as evident by the beautiful sunsets. At least the West Coast. Yeah. Fuck, so this valley is fire. burning. Yeah. Well, everything this around is. This from California. Nah, this is from the gooseneck fire. So we'll talk a little bit about fires later. But This, this is from California. They even had a news report on it like a day ago. It's also from gooseneck, from that oh, Nevada. What? Which You're I could tell you all about driving through that fire. Pretty sure you have your mic turned off there. Now I'm there we go. Yeah, there we go. Uh, yeah, the stuff from California has been blowing over here. Um, Toilet burned last weekend. Well, Holy it, cow. It's interesting because the fire in California is getting a ton of news because of the homes it's destroyed and the people that have died and like the you know evacuation of Yosemite and stuff. But this this fire, this gooseneck fire that the Nevada side that combined, it's 100,000 acres. That's bigger than anything else right now, to my knowledge. It's way bigger than any of those we, California fires. I so think. whatever was burning in Tooele over the weekend, we actually had ash falling in our yard. Yeah, that was the, uh, was it Miller Canyon? Is that the Middle. Name? Middle Canyon. Middle Canyon fire, and that's been burning for like a week and a half now. Finally, it it's must, like 65% contained or it must 56. must have just gotten close enough to the range. To, I don't know, but we, we had ash falling in our yard over the weekend. <laughs> yeah, doesn't surprise me at all. Doesn't surprise me at all. It is, it is dry and hot and fucking idiots still lit off fireworks like... Fucking idiots. Right, people doing fireworks last well, night. Well, the one in Gooseneck was actually started by lightning. Yeah. Because we had like a very like short burst storm while I was out in Wendover. And that's, that's when it started. So. Well, and there's no one that lives out there. So. Well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, a like lot cattle of ranches. ranches. And stuff, yeah. 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 And that's the biggest thing that's getting hit. So. But it's like, like Gooseneck itself is tiny. There's just a couple hundred people, I think, in Gooseneck. So. Um, but yeah, it's fires. Jesus. So, uh, I officially tried Dave and Buster's this weekend. <laughs> so, uh, Jeremy, you were there. I was um, there. Uh, had some, some people at a sort of late birthday celebration at Dave and Buster's, mostly to indulge my inner child that loves arcades. It, it was, was interesting. It was a lot of fun. Um, it's quite a bit different than other Dave and Buster's because there's no alcohol in the arcade. I was going to say that all the all of the ads where they show the people drinking and playing games. That's every other state. <laughs> just not Utah. <laughs> You're not allowed to because kids are allowed in the arcade. And it wasn't like like where you could get to the bar from the arcade. Like I'm sure you could walk up to it because that long bar at the back. But mm -hmm. it didn't seem like it felt much more like a completely separated. Go have your meal and then go play at the arcade. And there's no interaction. Right. And there was no there was no like tabletop shuffleboard like I've seen at almost every Dave and Buster's I've ever been to. There was no pool hall. And I'm not saying that like the restaurant was always fairly separated from the arcade, but there was always a bar in the arcade, and you could always order like food there. Um, so much different. Um, and I don't know, I guess it's because Dave and Buster's doesn't want to be just 21 plus because most of their advertisements is adults with their kids. If you notice, there's a lot of adults, like young adults playing together, but there's also a lot of kids there. Um, and the prices were 
somewhat kid oriented, mm-hmm. I would say. Apparently, uh, Jeremy and Heather played with our kids and we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> we played the four people air hockey. It was very confusing. I bet. And your kids kept trying to walk away. Well, it's not over. They're like, no, we're done. They kept trying to walk away. That <laughs> <laughs> sounds about right. So we wandered around at a whole bunch of stuff and everyone kind of did their own thing. That was the one thing that was. Like, I really had fun, but the one thing that was kind of disappointing is in a group that size, like, everyone kind of wandered around. But we kind of, like, ran into each other in different groups of people. Yeah, so I I think that's maybe less of a group activity versus, like, the social acts throwing was very social. Right. I mean, dinner was plenty social, but uh, also sitting, you know that many people at a long table isn't yeah. always effective so for conversation and our but, poor server who was his first week uh, yeah clearly <laughs> um but i mean he he didn't do a terrible job i think he did okay right. considering um and the check came back correctly which that's was right. that's the most amazing part you get a check like split up that many ways that's a that's a, that's a well task. he had to redo part of it that's all right though he redid it and brought it back correctly like it wasn't like everyone's was screwed up so i was surprised how packed it was over an hour wait yeah it was really busy um which is good that good means for them. it means it's gonna do well um and i am surprised they took up a lot more space than i thought they were going to so they took up the old food court and like fucking six spaces next to it i swear to god it's huge yeah well it's, it, it goes back way further than we even we saw there's some big open rooms even back further. oh for like conference or like other events like and stuff party like rooms that, I and guess. stuff Interesting. like i could have reserved a party room for us but i didn't know how many people would end up being there so i didn't hmm. so anyway that was dave and busters but now i hear uh, quarters which i think we've talked about quarters but yeah uh, Mark was telling me that Quarters is a blast, and it is 21 plus. So Where is it at? I know what he was talking about. about it's an old Manhattan building. Yeah. Ah. Like in the basement? Mm-hmm. Have so. you been? No. Nope. You just know of it. That doesn't sound like something Jess is into. <laughs> <laughs> it's very awfully judgmental of you. You play video games? A lot yeah. of video games? I've never seen you play a video game. Uh, when have you ever hung out with me? <laughs> when, have you, when has she ever seen you <laughs> play a, a video game? Um, like almost every weekend, every week when she comes over. I'm I'm often playing a video game when you guys get here. I mean, it's an online version of Magic, Magic, so I don't know if it's the same thing. No, it's not. <laughs> um, yeah, that was uh, that was the highlight of my weekend. Um, Jeremy, holy shit. Jeremy, Jeremy had a whole bunch happen. Yeah, uh, we had an interesting weekend, so... So, all right, so we'll, we'll we'll go into it. Okay, so it's spider season, as we all know. Mm-hmm. I have not seen Charlotte, by the way, in my window for a while. I don't Something know. got her? Or she oh, no, there's plenty of webs, so I'm sure she's still there, and maybe like her six million babies. But Ugh. So, so yeah, I'm, you know, if a spider's outside, it's fine, but once they start coming inside, so we've... Get a cat. <laughs> I don't think Heather would go for that. Maybe. Well, Rocky eats stuff <laughs> he, he, he jumps up and catches flies Evo used to eat stuff maybe he would do spiders anyway so so it's it's spider season so we decided it's time to do the bug bombs and you know what i'm talking about you go to the store and the little canisters and you let them off and it fumigates your house so the girls downstairs well with julia moving out so we'll touch on that slightly she moved out this last week so she's heading up to college so she cleaned out her room and pulled out the edge of her bed and like a thousand dead spiders like, oh yeah well that's how this room was when we when we cleaned out this the studio it's like this whole wall was like a fucking spider yeah, dead spiders everywhere. so we decided okay so it's time so so 
I go to get I go to get them and I find the like extreme. So it's I don't know what brand it was the whatever, but it's extreme. I'm like, okay, cool, this is extreme. So there's four of them, so one for every level of the house and in the garage. So I get them all placed and every, everybody everybody leaves. So I go upstairs and I just want to preface this with saying we've done this before. I don't know, a dozen <laughs> times. So I didn't really think much of it. So I go and I set the first one off and I head downstairs. And I'm not even down to the last stair. And the whole house, wah, wah, wah. Because we've got. Oh, from your detector. We've got a, a, the alarm system. We've got ADT. ADT, yeah. So the whole house is going nuts. And the, the alarm is screaming and it's saying fire. Oh, Jesus. Because it's detecting the bug bomb is smoke. Yeah, because I was too close to the main uh, alarm upstairs. But once again, we've done it before. I've never had a problem. So I'm like, oh, holy crap. So I run over and I, and I deactivate it on the board. And then the phone rings because they call you. now they're calling you. Almost instantly. So I'm on the phone with them. And the whole house is just filling up with the fog stuff because I bought the extreme I can't hardly breathe. I'm on the phone trying to talk to the lady. Dude, no, you you don't fucking talk to him in the house, Jeremy. <laughs> so that was like, what? you're like, well, I'm I'm, like, I'm in the middle of bug bombing my wait, house. Wait. This is getting really thick. We're doing um, a bu- we're doing a bug bomb. Everything's you go. fine. Of course, then they gotta go hand it to Heather and finish doing. What they you're gotta doing. ask what your password and you're this and you're that. And I'm like, we're fine. And so anyway, <clears throat> so we, we he's get, still clearing his throat. It was dramatic. So we get out of the house. So we've got three hours to kill because you got to wait yeah. three, well, three plus hours, but at least three hours. So we're like, all right, what are we going to do? So the kids, ah, we want to grab the Great Salt Lake. Did you take the dogs with you? We had the dogs <laughs> so they wouldn't die. <laughs> <coughs> so <laughs> we're like, all right, I guess we'll go out to the Great Salt Lake because we took them there once years ago, but they're older and they kind of forgotten. So we're like, all right, so we'll go out to Salt Lake. They're older and they forgot what a traumatic experience it was. So, oh yeah, well, so we reminded them. So we get out there and we, we park by Salt Air and the water doesn't look like it's that far away, but they're like, oh, let's go, let's go find the water. And I'm like, it's a lot farther than you think. No, let's go find the water. So everybody gets out. We get the dogs. We start walking across it. As you get closer and closer to the water it turns marshy it turns nasty and it's like hot so the dogs are freaking out because it's burning their paws so we're carrying the dogs <laughs> we get f- it's probably a half an hour no exaggeration to actually get to the water because the the levels are that low so we, we set the dogs down because we're getting close we get probably 10 15 feet away from the water and y- you can see movement across the entire shoreline and as we're getting closer the kids are what's that it's the brine shrimp oh, so thick and then as we get closer every step you take they scatter yeah so we're, we are almost to the water i'm like we got to go back and they're like no we're so close so we breached the gap of the nasty brine shrimp to the actual water and as we stop like the dogs are almost instantly covered in brine shrimp so Aww. i i grab the dog i grab a dog someone else grabs the other dog <laughs> we go running back and then they're like never again that was horrible you're like, you're like you I tried insisted. Yeah. <laughs> so we would don't worry chopper we would never take out take you out to the great salt like it's all right sweetheart <laughs> so I, that's crazy i don't know why you would do that we, we had time to kill and they wanted to but they don't ever want to go out there again i'm like i'm like look out the, you know there's a few people but i'm like notice there's no beaches there's no people having picnics there's nobody out here and this is why 
It's Yuck. just nasty. It stinks. It's desolate. It smells horrible. And there's a lot of brine shrimp. A whole lot of brine shrimp. Jess is a photographer. She's taking pictures and microphones without people in them. Mm, that's cool. That actually was a good picture. She takes good pictures. That's why I like it when she posts stuff. Like I said, she's a photographer. She's I didn't a, know they go that far. She's a photog with her phone. So how did the move out go? It was good. She had, was, she had about everything just about ready, and then my sister came down two days before. She was here in town for other things, so she loaded up her van with most of Julia's stuff. So when she left, she only had pretty much what fit in her car. Julia, so Julia is gone. She got it all out. So then, so Has she come back home yet? Not yet. So Sunday night through tomorrow, she's at the, they call it camp. It's not camp, but it's like a orientation yeah, four-day yeah. thing. And it sounds like a lot of fun. They, they play games. They have barbecues. I got, I got to say, those things, like what I learned with Cassie, is the, the more involved the kids are in those things, the more likely they are to stick through college because yeah. they get involved in things. Well, that's, that's the fun stuff. Yeah. So they, they, they stay in the dorms, so they're not camping and like in tents or anything like that. And then... Each day they do different things. So the first day they had a scavenger hunt, but that ended up taking them across the entire campus. So the whole idea is so you learn where yeah. things are on campus. But they did the big old scavenger hunt, then they did a barbecue, then they did a movie night, and then today was Ogden Day. So I'm not exactly sure where they went, but they drove them all around Ogden. Um, this is where you get your beers. Different <laughs> places in Ogden. This is where you can find crack. <laughs> This is old town. You want to stay away from here. So yeah. anyway, you know, she's having a great time. We've uh, pretty much got the girls ready to go. Bree spent the weekend um, cleaning out Sean's room. Unpacking. Unpacking all her shit. She's like, do you want to keep this? Do you want to pack it? Do you want to donate it? And Sean's like, uh, just keep it here. And she's like, are you sure? You haven't packed anything yet. Dirty shirts <laughs> in. <laughs> well, I guess pack it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a long day, um, and I tried to stay away. <laughs> Probably best. So, did she get anywhere? Yeah, yeah. Her, her, whole room's her room is pretty much packed. I mean, you know, we left out, you know, the underwears and the socks and the stuff. She some, needs for a the few week. things this week that she needs to wear, and then, of course, you know, we had to think about the cruise too. And so, when she'd think about packing something, I'd say, well, this might be cute for the cruise. So, she's got a few things hanging in the closet yet that will probably be cruise things. So, not all of them, but just so that as she's packing, she can start putting together outfits. Because I wasn't quite ready to pack her for the cruise yet either. Because right. she's still, I mean, she has this week that she's still walking dogs and she's still, you know, going swimming and it, it, random things that she she's doing. And so... She still needs stuff for that. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, other than that, I really, her room's all cleaned out and everything donated is ready to be donated. And um, Did she help or did you do it and she watched? Oh, no, she helped. Okay. Well, okay, so Brie did it and she laid on her bed <laughs> and said I made yes, her go, no. like, get a garbage sack for donation and I, you know, made her do a couple of random things. But a few weeks ago, she had been using my vacuum and it had overheated and stopped working. Because she fucking vacuumed everything up, bottle caps yeah. and like, it, it, she's like, I don't know what happened to your vacuum, it doesn't work. And we're like, really? So we see the giant clog so on the side Chris, of the vacuum. So Chris cleaned it out and it, it, it started working again. She texted me that it was working again, but um, I guess it wasn't a couple weeks ago because I've it was last week. Yeah, because I was going to say, because I hadn't used it yet. So I went to use it on her room and 
had vacuumed the corner under her desk. And then I went to vacuum her closet and I'm like, why is this not picking anything up? And I look down and it's not swirling anymore. Like you you can see my canister. It's clogged again. So Chris (laughs) had to like literally take the whole thing apart and just found all sorts of (laughs) crap in it that we didn't find the first time because the first time we just decided to let it cool down and it started again. It was fucking hot as shit. It wouldn't even turn on because she just like kept going until it stopped working. So That's I think awesome. it's fine, but anyway, so her room's nice and clean now and dusted and the drawers are mostly empty and I even made her go through a junk drawer and clean some things out. And It's getting harder and harder to work and to focus on work the closer it gets to the <laughs> weekend. I bet. You have a cruise to look forward I'm to. I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited. excited, but I'm dreading it all at the same time. Just I'm not dreading it. Everything is like happening all at once. We we've got time budgeted. We'll be fine because we get back Friday afternoon, not too terribly late. Then we'll have Saturday, and then I think we're gonna go down to St. George. Uh, we'll no. go, we're gonna go down to Cedar on Sunday to move a lot of Cassie shit in and go from there to St. George. Well, we got day, her so. some IKEA furniture, and she's like, I don't dare put it together myself, and so. I guess we'll help her put it together on Sunday and then go Same stay in St. That, George. that for an entire summer semester hasn't fixed her fucking name at Solly Community College. I keep telling her your mm. credit is not going to transfer. Her name is like in four pieces. I don't know how the fuck they did it that way. <laughs> but it's it's Cassidy, Joe, Holling, Worth. And so it's not correct. And I'm like, your credits are going to... You're going to have a bitch transferring your credits if you don't fix it. But it's all the name. way across campus. I'm like, are you fucking It's really me? hot. You've had all summer to go do this. It'll be a lot farther when you're down at school. Yeah. And, you have and to it's five hours away. It. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just fucking go do it. it. It'll take five minutes if you're there. You can show them your ID. They'll fix it. And it's done. And your credit will transfer just fine after you pass your test on Wednesday. She just dreads stuff like that. She's just not good with with people. They make her apprehensive. That's why she's so much better with animals. So anyway, hopefully that all transfers properly because she can't register for the class she wants to register for without this class that she took so that she could register for the class she wants to register for. (sighs) Some of that's true. There's also some laziness involved. Well, I know. And trepidation because she doesn't want to actually like like I said, she's no, she's nervous about. I think it's a millennial thing. Well, it's her sister is like totally willing to do that stuff for herself. Like she has, she just up and picked up the phone and called people and we told her she needed to do it. Um, so her sister's got a lot she's less a, trepidation. She'll with that do sort of it stuff. if we ask her to, but she has no self motivation. Yeah, it's not either, like Cassie's she's terrified. Like Brie Bri goes, "Did you see if they clean the whatever?" And I'm like, "Did you ask them to? Because if you didn't ask them to, it didn't get done." <laughs> But all that aside, Jess had probably the most interesting weekend of all of us. No doubt. I definitely can't talk about it, though. I texted you earlier that I can't talk about it. You texted me earlier that you could talk about it if there was time, and we have time. We don't have time because I haven't even gone through any of my recordings yet. So, yeah, what are the recordings of? Because you talked about it on the show for like two weeks. You can at least give a quick, brief well, synopsis. And everybody knows that I went. <laughs> What's your point? Not if they didn't listen to the other episodes and now they're they're intrigued. So you have to give them a synopsis. Um, basically, I was on the news. Um, basically, we went out to the Wendover Airfield, which is in desperate need of some assistance and donations so that they can save and preserve the history of that property. What'd you do out there? 
we toured some buildings, six buildings what, that what are time? not normally open to the public. Like in the middle of the afternoon? Yeah, it started in the middle of that. I was there at like <laughs> one o'clock <laughs> and I guys, think we finished at midnight or one. Oh, really? So you guys didn't do like an overnight investigation? No. Oh, I thought you guys were doing an overnight investigation out there. Most aren't that way. This ended it. The VIP ran from like midnight to one, I think. So how many total people showed up for it? There was 45, not including the it looked big. hosts and everything, not including all of the guides. But it was a whole bunch of different buildings, so you were able to keep smaller groups separated, I'm assuming? Yeah, they were between like, I think the biggest group had 13 people, not including the um, the guides. How many sweet iPhones? So there were like two guides, none. Nobody was allowed to use them. We like put a moratorium on them before anybody went on it. Damn, that makes for for a much more interesting afternoon. <laughs> the ghost app. <clears throat> no, uh, no, they actually made it like they made it very clear to that those were not not allowed. So hopefully we'll get some EVPs to listen to out of that. Oh well, Halloween's coming up. Did so the recorder something good? Maybe we can do it for our Halloween episode. Yeah, it's only like two and a half months away, three months away. It's really far away. It's everybody, I'm pretty sure everybody will forget. I even literally went, so. three months from now. <laughs> actually, today is the 31st of July. That is literally three months away. Jeremy. They may forget, but three long months. If you got good EVPs, we'll have something to play. Yeah, I mean, maybe we can do some more stuff then. Maybe by then you'll have gone through them all. I don't know what your schedule looks like between <laughs> now and then. You've got three months. <laughs> I have a lot of cakes yeah, in three months. How many cakes do you have? <laughs> I actually, my earbuds, um, I don't like listening to them just like regular, like up against my ear. So um, my earbuds I've been using for the last two years finally broke. And so I had to go buy new ones. So I made it through like four, four or five of them. But, but the recorder I was, worked well? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Can I plug <laughs> headphones into that and listen? Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah, I have no idea. I switched it to a file. I did it at Comic-Con, and I don't remember how to get out of it, and so I had to turn <laughs> it off. But I used I used three different. I had an old, like, my old, yeah, like, 1990s, like, tape recorder. I used my phone, and I used that. So I would just, like, hold a couple and then set one down somewhere in the room. So, but, yeah, nice. they're, they were all... If you hear anybody say, oh, I've totally been through those buildings, they haven't because every single building we went into was locked. So, and some of it were, like was in like fences. And so if they did go, then they were trespassing. So there you can go. Actually, I highly suggest because I'm sure people don't even know it exists. It's, it's on the Utah side and they have um, a museum. Actually, they have technically two museums. Um, one that just has like tons of, of photos, like archive photos from Hill Air Force. Um, and then the service club, um, which is the officer's club. They've, um, is one of the buildings that they've, uh, refurbished. So, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's actually, there's a lot of really cool things. And I got to talk to one of the volunteers who, excuse me, knows a lot of the history. They actually had to come find me to come up and introduce myself before we separated into our groups because I was too busy talking to this guy about the history of the place for like 40 minutes. So there's a lot of... There's no old aircraft left out there though, right? Um, 
I don't know. So the Con Air plane is out there from the movie. Um, inside the Enola Gay hangar was two planes, but I was too busy wrangling a group that I forgot to walk over and look at the planes. <laughs> <laughs> one looked older, um, but the other one looked pretty new. Uh, it's an operating airport still. And while they let you climb up the, the watchtower, which, by the way, takes your breath away because it is a lot of stairs <laughs> and um a little uh t34c1 flew in which is it looks like a baby t6 but they don't like it when you call it that apparently <laughs> <laughs> so he the pilot of it was coming from the oshkosh air show which is where um barry hancock has been and where the, um that plane that um, died <laughs> was headed and he had flown from Oshkosh to somewhere somewhere to Wyoming Wyoming over to Wendover and then he was headed down to um, Carson City but he let me climb up on the the wing and and look in basically his boss has like tons of money and that's what he does with it <laughs> so there are only three of those planes that exist but there was another one when I left to go to the hotel there was a huge, huge plane uh, that was parked. That, so, anyways, you can go tour the tours. If you go on their website, um, you can actually plan a tour with one of the three guys that have basically, like, headed the whole restoration. They just finished restoring the Enola Gay hangar, and basically the outsides of it were falling down, and the roof was trashed, and... I don't know. He did. I don't remember what he said when it got finished, but um, it has skylights in it now. And they had to get um, government approval for that because it's not historically accurate. So I learned all kinds of cool things out there. Cool. See, way better than bug bombs in the Great Salt Lake. What? Yeah. Your weekend. I mean, there's trying, way, way more to, to it. But trying to kill yourself is pretty interesting. Here. <laughs> all right. So. A reminder, this weekend, Fringe Festival starts. The second is their party. You can buy tickets from the 3rd to the 12th. Um, we posted on our Facebook page how to get tickets today. So just go, even if you just go to one show, like just get out and support it. It's going to be so awesome. Also, this weekend is the is Raspberry Days. I totally forgot about yeah, Raspberry Days. Yeah, barely like Raspberry Days. That was supposed to go up, but then I forgot that we were so, recording on Friday. So I mean, you, Saturday. If you want to go to Bear Lake <laughs> during the busiest fucking weekend of the year. It's the really time. actually not too bad. We've gone up for the last three years, and it's just like a small town celebration. It's fun. Mm, those shakes are so goddamn good. <laughs> <laughs> they really are. They Do you really want me are. to like pack some dry ice and uh, no, bring you one back? It'll be over a week old by that point, and they're really oh, good that's fresh. True. So. And, and I will have to be back on a diet after being fat ass on a ship for a week. Um, I completely forgot to get the map and I was trying to remember because I was just talking about it. But tour of Utah starts again on the oh, sixth. Yeah. It's not coming through your neighborhood and it's not coming through my neighborhood. I don't give a fuck <laughs> if it goes through my neighborhood. Yeah, no, it's, it's not. It's it's starting like way, way down south. I don't this give time. a shit because I'm out of town. <laughs> <laughs> but um, wrong. It's from, well, most of it, you're out of town, so. I mean, like what, Friday afternoon, Saturday? Because it goes through what? The 12th. Okay, so that's the Sunday. Yeah. No, that's that? No, that's Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Sunday's the 12th. Anyways, um, 
The fourth is the food truck and brewery battle at the gateway. It's free. Go support the 15 food trucks and the 10 breweries. It's and four then to go ten. to the Fringe Festival afterwards yeah. or before and after. I don't really have a lot of events for the next couple of weeks. Um, I can't believe this is already here. I feel like we just talked about it, but through um, the 10th is Craft Lake City. It's the largest um, local artisan event that happens in Salt Lake, and that's at the Galvin Center. And it goes the 10th to the 12th. Each day is five bucks, or you can buy the whole weekend for 25 bucks. They have workshops, there's performers, things to buy, art. Um, it's fun. It's okay, I guess. <laughs> I was, That's a resounding I endorsement. Well, no, it's like, okay, I guess. It's it's hard because I feel like there should be m- more. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's a good place to go to, to find handcrafted goods in Salt Lake. There should be more vendors is what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I wonder. I don't know how they do their vendors. The this I don't know how big this you know, the, the event is the Galvin center is not very big. No. So they use like where the ice skating rink is. It kind of like wraps behind yeah. one of the buildings. They set up the food trucks on the bottom. Um, and then also like on that little street, they set up, um, I mean, vendors. there's, there's uh, anytime they have an event at the Galvin center, I'm like, it's just too small of a fucking space to hold any kind of big event. Well, if you don't want to go there, you can go over to the, uh, Mexico, uh, I can't remember the name of it now. It's basically like their center on 155 South and 600 West for Taco Fest. (laughs) It is uh, an event that last year they raised $7,500 for Meals on Wheels. Do do they just line up every taco cart from the valley? um, There are 16 taco trucks. That's awesome. And it's five bucks and then you pay for your tacos because the money goes to Meals on Wheels. Did you tell them they were the Lord's Jeeps? It goes from <laughs> 11 to 9. <laughs> it's almost the address because we love tacos. Taco Fest. Taco mm-hmm. Fest. And then you can go over to the Cultural Center on the 10th and 11th and eat more food at the International Wasatch Food Fest. This is the third year and I was thinking about this because that was the first place that I really like sat down and talked to Viet and also met Jen and Jeff from um, Mountain West and got them interested in our show. Um, So it's county fair season. I know you guys are super excited. I love the fair. I I do too. So coming up, no joke, it was like all fairs. Juab, Summit, Kane, Washington, Weber. I'm sure there's more, but those were all the ones that were on my list. Weber is the only one I would go to. Summit might be cool. The Juab. I don't don't have the money for Summit. (laughs) The rodeo we went to a few weeks ago was fun, but that wasn't the fair too. No, that's days. I didn't know if that was summit. That's days of 47. No, down. No, he was talking about the Judges their rodeo. rodeo. I didn't know if that was all connected. Obviously not. Um, And then starting on the 7th of August to the 25th of September on two on Tuesdays from four to dusk is the harvest market is starting at Pioneer Park for the downtown farmers market. So it's a much smaller, more intimate event and it's just more produce and food instead of all the yeah. like artisans and stuff so that are there on Saturdays. So it'll be both. Saturday and then on Tuesday we'll get more food for the rest of the week. Yes. And let it go bad because you're not ever home. Um. <laughs> this sounds like personal experience it's gonna be weird to go shopping for two people it will it will in producing food for two people 
I mean, I've kind of been cooking like that, but uh, anyway. Well, uh, I think we'll do some news, and then um, stay tuned. Uh, we were talking to Sonny Giles. Is it Giles? Doctor Giles. Doctor Giles. 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 Uh, and it's it's a very good conversation that we we have with her. She is. Uh, smarter than all four of us put together. Sorry, guys. Easy. Um, no, I, I, no I, time's I, like I, a million. That's what I put on Instagram. She's, she's <laughs> fucking super smart. Um, she has some amazing ideas and, and things that she's put together. And um, I I'm was just talking to her for a second. She is definitely a person that would make you feel like you could go try stuff. Yeah. And I had trepidation um, initially, uh, and that was all gone within about mm, five minutes. Yeah, she I'd was a, she was great. I really liked that interview. I'm really glad I watched her TED Talk because yeah, it was good. It was really good. She did an I'll amazing job. Yeah, the TED Talk's good. Watch it. It's like 15 minutes of your life that you'll enjoy. Mm-hmm. I think it's like 12 and a half, honestly. Um, you anyway, don't even need it back. No, no, you'll. Uh, you might even watch it again. You'll garner something. So we did talk about wildfires briefly. Um, I need to. Can I just talk about coming back from Wendover? <laughs> yeah. So did you drive through a fire? It felt like it. I got up on Sunday morning super early because I needed to get home to get started on a cake. And I came outside. And it was you could barely even see the hills around Wendover, and it just smelled like. Are, are you done over there? Fire. I didn't. I didn't realize what it was doing, and all of a sudden I realized <laughs> I was picking it up. My my microphone cord has been like so that I'm like. On top of it's Jeremy, cool, so I'm like, oh, I could just release another coil. It's, it's, just, it's. Been <laughs> we need to get a tablecloth on this table. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just. Put some like padding that kind of has like the. Exactly. This. The well, I don't know. Wiki, 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 we did wiki. look at we did look at tables this weekend, by the way. Not that our audience gives a shit, but uh, we did look we did look at tables at IKEA. I think we found a couple uh, that are potentials. Um, if not, there's a whole bunch on like KSL and stuff. Yeah, that we we got to figure out space. We got to figure out spatially, and then we'll decide what we want for chairs. I think I'm just gonna get Jess a stool, a hard <laughs> bucket stool. Why? Uh, I don't know. Because <laughs> you hate me, yeah, apparently. apparently. Uh, I don't know. I actually think Jeremy complains more about the hard seats than no, anyone. These seats are. Horrible. They're hard. They my suck. legs are this like my, behind my knees are asleep. I told my mom once. Too. I told my mom once that my legs were broken because of the way the back of my knees bent. <laughs> That's what I'm feeling. Maybe what I'll do is just get stadium cushions for everyone, like Bree uses. I don't use one, and I'm totally fine. Yeah, well, she's we, littler than all of us. I weigh a hundred pounds more than you. Yeah, yeah. you do exactly. not weigh a hundred pounds more than <laughs> I do. No, 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 I do. I do. You you I'm weigh sure exactly a hundred pounds more than me. So uh, yeah, so my car still seats. smelled like smoke on Monday morning. Why'd you fucking drive with your windows down? I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could say I took a picture of it, and you couldn't see you couldn't see anything. It was crazy. And finally, and I thought it was from Tooele. I didn't know that those two fires had been sparked the night before. And then I got further into like almost Grantsville and I was like, oh, I can see the mountains. And then I got home and heard this new story. The sunsets have been amazing. That is true. It's like I said Uh, last night driving home (laughs) with Cassie and and Bree in the car. And I said, you're not supposed to be able to see the sun. Right. And look at it. Like it it doesn't, it's not burning your retina at all because there's so much shit in the air. It's like having a pair of welder's goggles on. Now, this isn't an endorsement to look at the sun, by the way, dumbasses. If you, if President you look at Trump, the sun, if you are listening, please do not stare into the sun. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Trump. You can do that. 
Um, but it, yeah, pretty pretty crazy stuff. I, I will tell you a story about driving through fire. So um, last time I was in Mexico, I was in Puerto Vallarta. And we were going on a stupid zip lining tour, and it was far away from the port, like a 35, 45-minute drive. So we're all in this old half-track. So um, for those of you who don't know what that is, it's an open-bed truck, basically. It's a Anyway, so we're driving. There's a fire on the side of the road on the way there, and we're like, oh, wow, that's crazy, right? And I don't know how Puerto Vallarta fire departments work and how quickly that wildfire will be responded to we do the zip lining it's boring and stupid don't ever go zip lining by the way in the in the jungle it's really stupid um uh, if you don't believe me go watch the south park episode about zip lining and it's basically that <laughs> uh, have you ever seen it uh, no it's 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 uh, zip lining's dumb um go to the olympic park and zip line because that's there's no waiting and it's really fun <laughs> Um, but, uh, on the way back, it's like a fucking raging inferno, but that fire has turned into this massive, both sides of the freeway, like just fucking raging. And this is just a two, like an old shitty two lane, like one going one way, one going the other way road. And the fire is literally like probably 15 feet high on either side of the road, just <laughs> raging. And n- no fucking hits the gas and <laughs> straight through it. We're in the back You're of like an, your own action film. Well, like we're in the back of an old military transport without any kind of cover. Fucking ashes coming in, landing on us, hot ashes. The dude's just fucking barreling through this blaze to get us through it. I'm like, <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, you crazy bastards. <laughs> um, but that was small in comparison to the fire that's going on right now. So we, we talked about this. So the, the fires in California aren't this big. This is a hundred thousand acre fire now that is unbelievable um there's at least five other wild wildfires burning throughout the state of utah right now so there's we talked about the what's it called middle canyon middle whatever is it not middle it's something it is middle is it middle canyon mm-hmm. uh, out by Tooele. um which by the way you couldn't barely even see driving by like there was just a little bit of smoke when i was on 80 and there's uh isn't there still a fire up in summit county now there was burning. on the side of the freeway um of course you know the, there was, was a started by a semi yeah that was started by a wreck uh yeah. did you see how quick that fire on enzyme peak burned holy cow it just like lit up the, and there's not a lot to burn up there either but it lit the it whole thing on fire quick so dry fast and yeah. it could have Taking out all of those houses. Luckily, they didn't move so fast. Not started by fireworks, so no. So that's good to know. That's good to know. Um, yeah, Weaver Canyon had a big fire. That was the one that was sparked by the semi. Jeez, um, just so many freaking fires going on right now, and we're not even in the heart. Like, like we still have a whole other month of shit ass hot fucking August dry weather. Is usually the hot. Yeah, month. August is usually the and the the problem <laughs> is fighting these blazes so we don't have anything major we send a bunch of crews out to california to help fight their insane fire and then all of a sudden we have a hundred thousand acres burned well and that's like, what they were saying on the news was like there's not really anybody to well and that, fight it and, and the goose creek fire the one that's up north that hundred thousand acre fire that's like almost impossible for them to to fight because the terrain is so insane and it's so remote like it's up on high plateaus and shit that are hard to get to they basically had to just bulldoze fire lines to save houses essentially from from what i can gather but yeah so uh the state of utah is on fire um there's a fire down in um the the one down in saint george uh the west valley fire that was down there was pretty bad that was a while ago yeah it was like three weeks ago way longer 
I don't know about that. <laughs> it was like July 4th time frame. We talked about it last week. No, it was yeah. like June. No, West Valley. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's um, all good. It's still a fire that burned things. So um, we'll just kind of power through some of this stuff. I think it's 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 important to talk about. Uh, so Utah State University, one of the things they're really known for is their agricultural programs and their, their livestock programs. Farming. Uh, they got uh, okayed for a $1.8 million barn to... That's a in, big damn barn. That's a, well, it's a humongous barn. It's for their equine programs. Um, so if you, if you drive back from Bear Lake, Jess, uh, you if drive you past... Drive you drive Well, yeah, I mean, maybe you stay. We, I found out, I think, why there was... Oh, it's because I had her turned up way, way high uh, still. Why we were picking up everything I'm like, why... I'm just picking up a piece of paper and you can hear it. I'm like, what so, the heck? Well, anyway, so the uh, yes, you, you can drive see past all the, of these. Yeah, yes. you drive past a lot of the barns and stuff through yep. Cache Valley there. Mm-hmm. Uh, God damn, that canyon is so beautiful. Both of them are. Cache National Forest is unbelievably Both gorgeous. Both Logan Canyon and the oh, other. Man. Yeah, that's a drive. If you've never done it, you should absolutely do it. It's a bit rough in the winter. Yeah, yeah, don't do uh, it's it. It's terrifying in the winter, don't, don't especially <laughs> when you drive with my friends. If you want to go to Bear Lake in the winter, you should really go through Evanston. It's quite a bit safer, I think. I have been up in snowstorms. It's through that canyon? Mm-hmm. When Two she almost, times. Uh, when she almost died last year. That is not a place I'd like to go in the winter. <laughs> it's fucking brutal. Um, but anyway, that's pretty cool. Um, so the state of Utah, we've, we've talked quite a bit about solar. Uh, energy. The state of Utah has not good things. We haven't talked to good things. So Utah. <laughs> and is, this is more not good. Well, things. Utah. It's kind of a good thing. So Utah has been um, a, a big solar market. A lot of solar companies have been exploding here, in large part to some of the tax incentives that existed that are now going away. But as a result of the boom of solar, there's also a, a rise in fraud. Utah is one of the highest fraud. Uh, areas per capita because people are so damn trusting um but utah has actually created a site now uh rooftopsolar.utah.gov that should allow you to make sure that who you're doing business with is a legit business person and not some jackass company down in saint george that has defrauded fucking tons of people with bullshit um so definitely check it out rooftopsolar.utah.gov um if you're gonna make an investment in solar um, it also has a lot more, they put a lot of resources on there to, to give you a better understanding of cost benefit analysis. So one of the things that happened a lot with the solar boom is they're like, oh yeah, it'll pay itself off on your power bill in three years. And Jeremy believes that wholeheartedly <laughs> as an architect. Not even close. <laughs> uh, with some of the tax incentives, it certainly paid itself off quicker, but ultimately investing in solar is not a financial decision that you do because it's going to save you money in the long run. Not, like not yet. It's buying a hybrid. Maybe someday, you know, when they've improved it. It's, it's like by being one of the first people to buy a PC back in the 80s mm-hmm. and you spend 10 grand. Yeah, or, or buying even a 286 or a 386 back in the, yeah. the early 90s. So It's kind of equivalent. Yes, it does good, but... It's cool. It's you can install, you know, X-Wing versus TIE Fighter on 15 floppy disks, but... <laughs> right. Give it a little while until the prices come down. But, but, you know, 15 years later, it's now the palm of my hand is way more powerful than anything in that computer ever was. Well, your so. phone That's right there has, has more power than what sent the first space shuttle to the moon. Ah, absolutely. Have you seen the first space shuttle to the moon? Because they have it at the... Not uh, the shuttle. Well, You're they have talking the lander. About the... They have the lander at yeah. uh, the Smithsonian in D.C., 
And su- I've been there. Surprisingly it's like small, foil. tiny, and like fucking tinfoil, like really thin tinfoil. It is made out of nothing. It's crazy. You're crazy. I love the Smithsonian's, by the I way. I could spend like three weeks in D.C. and do nothing but visit free museums. I'm gonna go to the one. In, I'm gonna go to the Air Force Museum in uh, Dayton, Ohio. I think it's is where it's at. But you gotta go to Ohio. But that's okay because still be kind of like planes. it's kind of like going to Delaware. There's the one in Arizona where they have the graveyard. I don't know if oh, the d- old airplane boneyard. I don't know if you oh, can like no. go through it. Though. I want to see like moving planes, or you could go to Arizona. Well, there's quite a few around the country. The commemorative Air Force. Arizona, because the metal and doesn't rust as easily, and because <laughs> the the. Hey, is her name Sol Rodriguez or Soleil Rodriguez? It's probably Soleil. It's Sol. Soleil Rodriguez. I, I listened to it at work, the interview at Sol. Uh, so anyway, Utah, her name is Sol Rodriguez. Her name is Soleil. Uh, and um, she has won the Junior Nationals Boxing Tournament. So she is a Golden Gloves champion, and she is from the state of Utah. And she's 14. And she's a fucking chick. And, she and she's 14. beats the shit out of people with her hands. He said there's not even a 200-pound man that can take... Her hits. That's freaking awesome. It is awesome. That, that is so badass to, to have that. Uh, boxing's a dying sport, but to see uh, someone that talented come out of the state of Utah That's is cool. really cool. And it's not fucking easy. Just, I dare you, go do it. Go up to title for a free night. It's fucking Oh, yeah, hard. they're having a free night. When is that? Every night no. that you're not a member. <laughs> you can always go for free once if you're not Right, a but, but they're no, they're having like a free kickboxing. Oh, like it's $15 actually. No, the one, the lady last night told us it was free. Yeah, Katie said it was free last night. Oh, well, maybe they Show changed up. it because the events said Javier and Katie are teaching it and... Maybe it's a donation. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's a donation oh, for maybe, a charity thing. I maybe I didn't oh, hear that part or something. Uh, I swear that she said it was for free. So we talk about the homeless. We haven't talked about them in a while because it's summertime and everyone forgets about them in the heat. Um, I don't. So we had Operation Rio Grande. I drive because I drive past them in the shade and, on Library Square every and, day. And next to your parking lot in your office. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, it's $15 shade. and it's at 1 o'clock on the 11th. <laughs> there you go. Maybe you should have covered that in your events. Jeez, come on. <laughs> But she said that they would focus on, um, like, kickboxing technique. It wouldn't just be like a... Yes. How to properly kick the bag and ultimately help you improve your technique. I can't fucking kick the bag. I just I love kicking leg. the bag. Whenever we get to do freestyle, I just kick the bag. Yeah. I just do repeater kicks over and over and over and over I'm again. glad because she kicks me less whenever she gets to do that. I so. never kick <laughs> Um Anyway, I bring up the homeless population because, and we, we talked about this a little bit, when they did Operation Rio Grande and they basically busted up all the crime that was going there and tried to make that area a little bit better. And it's still ongoing. It's not something that stopped. One of the things that happened and, and everyone knew what happened is the homeless population dispersed out into the city and further south and further north. And now North, so the people preying on them now, have also dispersed. Now North Temple has become the new hotbed uh, and the residents over there. So North Temple and basically we're talking Rose Park, right, has become a new hotbed again for uh, all kinds of criminal activity. Uh, and they have decided to start cracking down over there. They've actually been talking about, holy shit, 123 narcotics arrests, served 76 warrants, arrested 12 fugitive 46 drug dealers and 47 drug distribution charges. 
Wow. Who was who was it that was talking about the type of people that were there? Was it Allison when we were talking to her about the farmers market and yeah, I think yeah, and I think that so. it that they are like cartel people that are that are in that area. Yeah, yeah, and it's so uh, they they've also been talking about opening up uh, a substation down there. Um, so a little police office down there where they can, sandwich up. yeah, where they and they can, have bicycle cops that are riding <laughs> up and down the street. It's I, it's crazy. I mean, it's basically they're just gonna have to kind of chase them around wherever they end up because they don't just disappear, you know. Okay, so I again I I listened to this story instead of reading it because I was like doing stuff while I was Which going story? through this. This one we're talking about, this story. Okay. And the people that they picked to interview, when I first looked over, I thought that the track wasn't matched up. I thought that those were the homeless people. <laughs> no, seriously. And I'm thinking, this has got to be a hard job because I think that a lot of the people that are living there, they're poor. They're living in kind of poor housing. Like, it's not it's not as easy now that they're dispersed along this as it was to go back there and see tent cities and you could spy on you know, spy the people that were causing the problems now that they're dispersed amongst every, people who are living in this in this area it's got to be harder for them to figure it out it's not so cut and dried it's not like okay well behind gateway or behind rio ground where all the tents are and the druggies are and you can watch them shoot up or the criminals now they're living with with these people so um you know where homeless people aren't is by Jeremy's house. It's true. They're okay, and there I should have found the other article because it's not the only city that has water restrictions. No, but so Riverton City. Because uh, Farmington was first. Yeah, well, Riverton City, I don't know. Does Farmington do secondary? Um, I'm not sure, but I, from what I understand, somebody actually like drained water out of their reservoir in Farmington. Yeah, Jer- well, Jeremy what and I, the- Jeremy and I were talking about. Was it you that was talking about the? No, it was uh, it was Rick. Rick. So we were up in Bear Lake um, when we were up there a couple weeks ago, and I was having a conversation with Rick, who does a lot of. He's a contractor, um, and he was talking about a guy up there who had. Uh, built a fountain, had a contractor build a fountain uh, on his property in Bear Lake up in the... It was the, like a pond waterfall thing. Up in uh, East Bear Lake, I think is what it is. Isn't that what it's called? I don't know. For remember. the... West Bear Lake. For the know. golf courses. It's, it's West. It's West. Bear Lake West. Whatever, Bear Lake West, Whatever the yeah. fuck it is, the rich community up there. Well, they, they all feed off of a well. Uh, and they have a, you know, a finite amount of water Other coming water out of that well. Really but he he makes this fountain, and the contractor didn't winterize it properly, and he drained ten million oh, gallons yeah. of water out of this busted fountain. Uh, and I'm sure the guy wasn't even there because he doesn't live there full time. So it just ran all winter. Yeah. Yeah, it just went like. Luckily, I mean, like it goes back into the aquifers, but so it takes forever to that, get back. To so the- that's you know that's that's a bit of an extreme, right? But uh, Riverton City, who uh, Jeremy uses secondary water uh, and enjoys it. Um, they're they're going through a gang. Ten enjoys it. <laughs> oh, he does. Outside my garden. He's part of the problem, is what I'm saying. So Aww. yeah, but he lets his he lets his grass kind of die. It's not like thirty luxurious. Thirty four million gallons of secondary water are being consumed a day in Riverton City. Stop what the hell, so Jeremy? <laughs> I so, mean, we like your corn so and stuff, the but between that and the culinary water, 683 gallons per day per household right now. 
I don't uh, feel like it's culinary water. So twenty nine thousand or twenty nine hundred and fifty two gallons used per day per household. I on feel secondary like water. I feel like Jeremy is not. Are you using three thousand gallons of water <laughs> a day on your lawn and garden? No. Are you sure? <laughs> the problem is all the growth in Riverton. Yeah. And I. I'm hoping, I don't know for sure, but I'm hoping like all the new houses behind me are not on secondary I, water. I'm, I'm, what about the businesses too? I'm guessing they're not going to be able to put them on secondary water. And, and what they've said is this time of year, look, go look at my front yard. That's what your fucking yard should yeah, look like this time of year. it's supposed to be with dead spots. We haven't, had, we haven't had rain in over a month. It's a hundred and fucking plus degrees outside. Your lawn should be in a dormant dying state. It's okay. It'll to, come back, people. Lawns are resilient. They come back to life as long as you don't spread chicken <sighs> shit all over. We should it. hire Peter to come to our zero scape. <laughs> um, I don't know if he knows how to do zero scape. I don't think I can afford Peter. <laughs> well, they don't have that problem where he's. Yeah, at. they don't have a problem with no water in Ireland. Motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> lives on an island. It rains all the yeah, time. Yeah, but it's not like they can use the ocean to water with. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway. Um, yeah, so that's a big deal. So stop using so much water, Jeremy, you fucking wasteful bitch. Sorry. Well, now that Julia's gone, I'm sure that uh, your usage will go down. That's, that's a lot Watch of water. Watch for the water usage in Roy to go up for a while. But, but what, I mean, but really, I mean, Riverton is growing. I'm sure that's a big part of that's it. That's part of it. Well, and then, I mean, Riverton has big parks, and I'm sure that the, the... Well, and the other thing is, when are they fucking watering? So parks, this is what kills me when I see like public parks and the fucking sprinklers. So there's, uh, it's not a park. It's the the mental health place, Valley Mental Valley Health. Mental it's health. on 62nd there. Middle of the day. And I, in the morning, it's fine. It's in the morning at least. It's like 7 a.m. I'm driving to work. There is two sprinkler heads that are pointed in the middle of fucking 6200 South and not on their lawn, and they just fucking shower cars that drive down the street. I don't, I still don't think that single day watering in the morning is not a good idea because it, it just evaporates in well, the Well, watering heat. overnight, too, because you don't know if a sprinkler is broken. Nobody's well, there to watch it. Like, I, I have reported so many broken sprinklers because I'm the first one I up see, in my neighborhood at 4.15 in the morning. I see a ton of businesses and, and parks that water in the middle of fucking Are they afternoon. watering at 5 and when, 6 o'clock in the afternoon? When you water at, at 1 or 2 or 3, that water, most of it evaporates before it even hits the freaking grass. And it's, it's just crazy amount of water that you're wasting doing that. We live in a fucking desert, people. I know it's hard to imagine, but we do live in a desert. Our water is not that great. It's Our reservoirs finite. aren't that full. And when we have shitty snowpack like we did this year, it leads to droughts. So use less water, Jeremy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but we still want enough so we can have potatoes and corn, please. Yeah, keep giving me potatoes whenever you guys Those want. Potatoes are so I just need, I purposely need to go over to your house so I can get... I have not... By the way, home garden update, not a goddamn thing. It's fucking August 1st tomorrow. Nothing has come out of my garden. I bet, plants. I bet you, you Maya won't have to pick a thing. You know how <laughs> fucking frustrated I am about that? It's very frustrating because we've got tomatoes. We've got... Shut your mouth. I have a bad... Zucchini, no. potatoes, corn. You shut your mouth. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm really disappointed because I even fucking... I grew them in, in starts and they just have not done anything. And I'm... I'm bummed about it. And it, it's like, if this would have happened last year, that'd fucking be like rose bushes or something. And it might become rose I was bushes. just going to say, I feel like it needs to be rose I'm so bushes. disappointed in the fact that I've gotten no fresh produce out of it this year. That is Because by this time last year, I was picking cucumbers like three a day. And I was picking zucchini. I couldn't even eat it. It was coming enough. out my ass. Like, I could not pick it fast enough. We were sleeping on it. <laughs> 
and and nothing. And I'm I'm really like I don't think I'm gonna get anything because it's just it doesn't look like it's gonna happen. That's very frustrating. It really is. Anyway, all right, we're gonna do. Uh, I guess we got time for both of these. These last two. I'm gonna do this other one later, different day. Um, so we've talked a lot about our toy maker in West Jordan, the guy that makes the wooden toys for uh, those cute little cars. So we've talked about a lot of the cool stuff. The Alton Thacker is the guy's name. Uh, a lot of cool stuff that's happened to him over the last year. He was on that Mike Rowe show, uh, the Giving Back show, or whatever the fuck it's called. And Mike Rowe at the end of that show gave him a ten thousand dollar check and uh, you know made a donation and. Because of the publicity, he's had more requests and more orders to fill, and it's so busy. Well, also because of that publicity and Micro giving him a $10,000 check, the people that were paying his lease out of the kindness of their heart, like, oh, you have 10 grand, you don't need us anymore, so we're not going to pay it anymore. So now he's back to Now he's back to, I can't pay my lease, I'm going to run out of money. Um, And you know what? Good on you for for donating the lease, guys. bad on you for seeing someone else make a donation and pulling out because that's that's not what giving a donation is about um the the extra money he gets from a a group like mike Rowe helps buy supplies to create more of these things um helps pay for shipping to get them out Um, because he did like a huge order in like the philippines or something like like 2500 cars or something so you know and it's wood it's not like it's light i have a hard time saying fuck you to the people that had paid his lease for a little while but at the same time like that's kind of lame it's douchey douchey to to back out like that so well just say oh you have ten thousand dollars now you can pay it yeah now you can pay it yourself that's not how fucking charitable organizations work like they rely on that kind of money that would be like going oh well (laughs) you know um you know i guess this one big fundraiser a year you guys have it i don't i don't need to fucking donate to the road home any other time other than christmas so I gave my ten dollars at the radiothon. That's all they need, <laughs> you know. Like, it's uh, I don't know. It's kind of lame. Uh, so if you can help out, uh, that would be cool um, to help that guy out because he does really cool stuff. Um, eventually, he'll die. He's old as shit, um, but he has other people that he works with that, that build him <laughs> now. So I think it might live on. Um, <laughs> he's kind of old. He's really fucking old, actually. What is he like, ninety or something? No. Oh, I think he's 80-something. Yeah, oh, he, no, he's not that old. He's 88. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it says in here. You but don't he's know. Old, he could be he's a young 88. He Maybe he's 30, spry. but he smoked a lot. He could be a young 88. At most, at 88, he's got, what, Dude, my, my great aunt was riding camels at, like, 91. Okay. But at 88, what do you have? Like, 20 years tops. So? I mean, what's the oldest person, like 110? No, there's like a 120-year-old person. There's not a 120-year-old person. I think that there was once a 120-year-old person. They're not making toys. I was reading an article about a lady that was... You don't know. (laughs) Okay, so he's got 30 years. 20, 22 years? He better not die tomorrow. That would be so sad. Remember when you killed the prophet? (laughs) That's true. I did did kill a prophet once. If you don't know what we're talking about, um, listen to one of our older shows. I don't know what the hell number it was. Um, But I I did suggest that a prophet was going to die, and then he died. And I don't know anything about that. Why in that same night? I know. It was like fucking, like an hour after we got done recording, the news came out. And I was like, hey, dude. You killed a prophet. Um, You know what we are going to kill? Um, because of our population growth, especially down in Utah County, is uh, our cherry production. 
So we have a lot of, we have a specific cherry crop. So we, we definitely have some sweet cherries. Um, cherry season's over, by the way. Um, this is like the last of cherries, basically. I don't know that you'll get very many at the farm. We're, we're buying some cherries somewhere. I need some. Yeah, so you can still get them. Um, they're still a little bit coming like out of. Like the grocery stores? Yeah, most of, the, most of the sweet cherries that we get are actually out of like the, the Northwest. Mm -hmm. uh, the Pacific Northwest has the right conditions for cherries. But also. Um, By the way, which Tuck also County. is a problem because there is a huge fire in Oregon. And that's where a lot of this and blueberries yeah. come from. A lot of cherry Not orchards blueberries. and blueberries. Yeah. No. So, but he, to be fair, uh, Montmorency tart Not, cherries. Oh, no. um, <laughs> is a, Do you know what you're talking about? What the? That's how. That's what the fucking name of them is. So there is a group at the farmers market that sells them the entire season, and they sell them the way that they're they're meant to be consumed. They're on. Yeah, they're on the uh, northwest corner. Jams, jellies, pie filling, uh, dried cherries, which have mm. become a, a, a big deal. Well, um, they say that there's like a lot of antioxidants in dried cherries. Yeah, they're the new superfood. There's like cherries. a and there's melatonin in it. Uh, that stuff that's in your skin. Uh, am I calling it wrong? Whatever no. makes you no, go to she's sleep. Right. You know, it is. Melatonin. It's melatonin. It makes you go to sleep. Um, it says that Utah's cherries used to be used in pie filling, but now they're used in things like granola, trail mix. Yeah, they're drying more of them now because they figured out a they good way to dry them. They freeze them, and then when they get orders for them, they, they dry them. This so is good news, though. They're saying that it they believe it was a good crop this year. So yeah, yeah. that's good and news. Well, and they're pl they're finding um, properties outside where it's getting busy and, and trying to buy that up and start. They're starting their orchards now right. because in 20 years they're going to not have the ones they have. Well, I'm not sure if you have taken a drive down where you two have, um, but if you go through um, Payson... And right before Santa Quinn, if you look up on the hill, um, they've started to create the new orchards, orchards. Mm -hmm. oh. which is really awesome because that's actually a technique that they use in Italy where they build up on the, the hills in their co-ops. It's it's pretty rad. So I was excited to see that. Yeah. And so and you don't think of Utah as being this crazy produce state, but but cherries is actually we're the we're the number two producer of tart, 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 tart. I don't even know how to fucking write We're that down as a two. show note. We're <laughs> number two. <laughs> we are number two to Michigan. But what's funny is we're like way number two. Like Michigan is like a hundred and something thousand. We're like 30,000. <laughs> uh, like a hundred million. And we're I like mean, 30 million. yeah, that's uh, sorry. Uh, and that's um, They shake trees and collect some 230 thousand pounds of cherries every eight hours yeah shift. it's crazy the way they do it <laughs> so they, they basically drive two trucks um one one surrounds the tree with like a like a basket basically for lack of a better term like a nice hammock on each side the other grabs the tree and just shakes the shit out of it stop fucking putting your stuff and on the salt lake tribune has a really cool <laughs> picture of it that they caught yeah yeah it's really cool it's 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 pretty cool to watch how how they actually shake the trees it makes me want to go find a cherry tree and shake it and see what comes out it was it was fun reading that really? article in the tribune because they're like shake well we figured out ways to not use as much pesticide by spraying with with the right kind of pheromones and um yeah, you know, they confuse the they confuse the boys so that they can't mate with the girls these other things that we can do is like but when it comes to birds they just fucking get their share <laughs> like they just get whatever they want you can't get rid of them mm -hmm. so uh anyway i think we're going to talk to our guest so uh you think 
with us today, we have uh, Sonny Giles. Doctor. Doctor Sonny Giles, PhD, right? Yeah. That's a, I mean, that's a tough title to get. So medical doctor's hard, I think, but I think PhD can be harder. <laughs> How many different schools have you gone to, Sonny? Oh, my goodness. I have four degrees, so. Wow. <laughs> what do you do with four degrees? <laughs> what does anyone do with four degrees? You frame them and put them on the wall. <laughs> I mean, usually when people, when people get that many degrees, they continue to teach because they just love school that much and they, yeah. they love being in that environment. Is that something you do now? Do you Are you a professor anywhere? No, but I do teach my corporate clients. So I have a, a corporate training, leadership development and consulting practice. Nice, nice. And you've worked for a bunch of large companies as yeah. well, haven't you? Yes. I was kind of reading your, your bio the other day yeah. and watched your TED Talk and um, got a got an idea for for who you were, um, but so you live in Utah now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Utah County. Is this a is that a is that by choice? Have you just decided to plant roots here and operate out of here? <laughs> well, yeah, I live in Highland, and uh, the I mean, I was right before I came back to Utah. I had a job in. Uh, in New York, New York City. I, my office was in Midtown Manhattan. Wow. wow. The best. It was, uh, and then it's, I realized that it was a little hard to raise my child there. So that's when I decided to move back to Utah. So but you're originally from Korea, right? Yeah. Um, born there. When did you come to the United States? Uh, to go to college at BYU. Oh, wow. Wow. So you, you grew up in South Korea then. Yes, I did. I was born and raised there. Nice. Most of your family still there? Uh-huh. Yeah. That's exciting. Some more fun to visit. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> of course it's fun. You get to try Korean I hear food. it's beautiful and the people are amazing. Yeah, kind. they're super nice. Yeah. They're I know they comments. like video games. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. They're, they do too much of that. <laughs> they do a lot. Of that. That's like, so, like super stardom down there. So. Yeah. so when did you come to BYU? Were you younger? No, in my when I was 20. 20s. Yeah. Well, I like the story as I was watching your TED Talk where your mom said, that's not really what you should do. <laughs> and you decided to do it anyway, which had to have been a hard decision to make. I yeah. mean, to, to go against tradition that way, to right. go against what your parents thought you should do, yeah. to, to buck the norm, so to say. Yeah. So you started doing this innovative stuff early on mm-hmm. with your own life. Mm-hmm. So as you p- give people advice to do new things and try new things, mm-hmm. you're doing it from a place where you did new things and you tried absolutely, new things. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uncertainty is a scary thing when you haven't been, you know, to places and you're exploring new paths. And uh, I think I was able to do that because I was, first of all, that youthful stupidity. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> so, and you know, God's grace. So that's just, I just didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how hard it was going to be. And when I was scrubbing toilets on campus for, you know, four bucks, three seventy five, I just remember an hour. <laughs> I know I just, that's how I put myself through school. But with no debt. So that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So that's, I mean, that's, it's nice because it sometimes it's hard for people to take advice from someone who hasn't been there and, and doesn't practice it themselves. So mm-hmm. that's a good place to come from, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. How did you, because a lot of kids want to come to America, but it seems that it's getting more and more difficult. How, mm-hmm. how did you find your way over here as far as 
you know, passports and paperwork oh, yeah. and, and, and you did it on your own. Yeah. yeah, that was hard. That was really hard because there were there were a lot of paperworks. And so it's just, uh, it just, you take it one day at a time and you just keep persevering. So that's how I did it. So did you grow up LDS or was this, was it a, no. a conversion thing that happened yeah. when you were a kid? Yeah, uh, that happened when I was in high school. Oh, okay. So you were a little bit so older. So while you were still in Korea, that yes. happened. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. And, and was it a whole family conversion no, thing just or me. just you? Just, just you. Me. So yeah. you really were just, <laughs> every minute you thought, I'm going to try something different and new. and Yeah, exactly. And That's how, great. How was that, um, you know, because... That's got to be very different, being LDS in Korea and being the only one in your family. How was that, yeah. that, that whole atmosphere? How I don't know how big the church is over there. The church wasn't very strong at the time. And um, so it's just, and I didn't know too much about it. It's just my friend told me the, the, that the uh, missionaries are teaching English and asked me if I wanted to go take English classes. And I said, sure. And that's how, how the whole <laughs> thing started. <laughs> That's great. That's a great story. So why why the decision to go to BYU? Was it just because of, of being yeah. LDS? Yeah, church affiliation. And all the missionaries are telling me how wonderful BYU was. And that's, did, it, did it meet expectations? Absolutely. And then some. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's good. That's good to hear. So you went to BYU and then... You've got four different degrees from other schools. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> undergrad was from BYU. That's, that was in accounting. Mm -hmm. And then I have an MBA from the University of Chicago. So that's a master's degree. And I have another master's degree from BYU in marriage and family therapy and PhD from BYU. Also a lot so, of BYU. So yes. how, where did Chicago fall into all that? Oh, because my first job out of college was with Baxter Health Healthcare, and oh. that was uh, that was in the suburbs of Chicago. I so that's um, I went to and that and that was after four years of going to school there. I mean, uh, working, decided to get my MBA. So that's how it happened. And then you're like, I want to go back to Utah for a while. <laughs> so you come back to Utah, and then how did you go to New York? Oh no, no, I didn't come back to Utah oh. until later. Oh. Yeah, so and you know my job was with Baxter Healthcare, and then after that I went to work for Accenture doing strategy consulting, and then I went to work for IBM as a global brand strategist and program director, and then went to Samsung and to become their general manager of uh, corporate brand marketing. Wow! Wow! Small things. I think my jaw just hit the table. <laughs> small, small little jobs, nothing big. <laughs> did you? Did you always have? Clearly, you were headstrong as a child, uh, like enough to get yourself here. Did you always have a passion for for leadership and and development? Um, I was the oldest, meaning I was in charge of teaching my brothers. So that's you know maybe there's some of it, but at, at the same time, when I started um, studying uh, as part of my PhD studies, I uh, I studied neuroscience. I studied. Um, systems theory as study psychology and of course with my business background and so and then all of a sudden I started this seeing this thread thin thread that cut across cut across all those all those disciplines and then I saw how quantum mechanics fit into the whole thing I'm like oh my gosh this is unbelievable and I said I have to write a book and that took me three years to write and and I knew in my heart of hearts that I had to write this book 
I didn't want some poor squab to sit there for spend another four years and try to you know find this consistent pattern that cuts that cut across all those disciplines and it, I, I just couldn't do that and that was you know and writing this book was part of my mission on earth and so I had to do it and when did you complete the book uh, it came out in April this year oh okay so it's brand new yeah. I didn't know what's the name of the book the new science of radical innovation. That's great. So is it just available everywhere? Where all good books are sold. Yeah, Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amazon. Barnes and, and Noble. <laughs> yeah, at Barnes and Noble. And also it's on, on Audible as well. Did great. you did you self publish or did you go no. through a, 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 a publisher? A, yeah. That's great. I just so your first I your my mind is blown. Your first series in accounting and you find this link in neuroscience. I read that you had an experience at a job with a boss who, <laughs> who was very, very cut and dry. And I believe that the quote was that men would walk out of the office in tears. Yeah. And she, but she studied the same. She, she was very uh, scientific and knew more than just her job. Is that what inspired you to do, to stretch out your education yeah so i mean that's the thing because she had a phd in biomedical engineering and uh you know she had this gorgeous blonde hair down to her waist and you know she would come to work in her on her harley davidson which is like <laughs> you know she was a legend and and it, the thing was like you know she ruled with an iron fist and uh and when she told when she said you know she you know she told me Sunny, you, ha she didn't say my name correctly. And he, she was a French, French, French person. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, and she was like, she's, she said, Sunny, I have more knowledge under my big toenail than you do in the brain of yours. And I went, whoa. <laughs> and just like, you know, tears started coming down just involuntarily. I was just like, whoa, what's the, and, and then the guy that was sitting next to me just hurriedly, you know, muted the button, the phone, the conference call phone. And he said, oh, he says, she says that to everybody. That's a standard line. I'm like, are you serious? Standard line. <laughs> That's what she says when she meets you. <laughs> I know. Just like, but I, what I couldn't understand was why she wasn't getting fired. How was, you know, how she was getting protected and she was actually enabled by her bosses to continue her bad behavior. And that's when I said, wait, what is leadership? What's effective? It's, it's leadership all about develop, I mean, uh, delivering short-term results. What is this about? That's when I became really curious. And uh, when I moved back to Utah and then had some time, I started thinking about what I really want to do with my career. And that's when I decided, okay, I want to do consulting, leadership consulting. And, um, and I um, studied, so the, the reason why I chose marriage and family therapy is because it's system psychology, meaning you look at people as elements in a system instead of one individual person that's, you know, separate and apart from everybody else. And that same principle applies to people in organizations. And then I apply those principles from marriage and family therapy into organizations. And there are a lot of systems principles that we are not aware of that govern how living organisms work. And that is the, you know, foundational principles. Those are the foundational principles in my book. Wow. That's so interesting to me. <laughs> I, in, your, in your TED Talk, you mentioned a lot about um, self-governance mm -hmm. and 
I haven't ever had a, I've had one job where I had someone who dictated everything I did and I hated it. All of the rest of my jobs have always been like that. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really realize it as I got older that there were people out there that had to be told every, every little thing. And then people who can go out and self-govern. And so it's kind of nice to work for a place like that. And like Jeremy is his own boss. Of course he self-governs and Chris is a consultant and, and has to manage his time and he's self-governing and just, just manages about a million different careers. So she's pretty self-governing. So I think we're kind of all like that. How do you approach someone who's not naturally like that, doesn't have that natural ability to look at something and see what needs to be mm -hmm. done. I feel like it's not teachable. I, I've never run mm -hmm. into anybody who's not mm -hmm. that I can say, how did you not see that this needed to happen? <laughs> or, 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 or naturally you're rolling along doing something. Oh, this should be brought into it and, and grab it and take it and, and keep going. Mm -hmm. That has to be something that you do that you run Absolutely. into constantly. Absolutely. So what do you do when you run into that? Well, part of the reason, a lot of the reason why people do what they do is because of fear. And we don't term them or name them as fear. We don't recognize them as fear. But when you work through them and through the, the reasons and then and they help them explore what's really going on, it's all about fear. And so, so you know, it, it, I shouldn't say all about. A lot of the things that people do... Um, can be based on fear and if you're not managing yourself so self-management the very foundational principle in my um, in my model in my uh, framework for uh, leadership development is self-management self-governance that is part of it meaning being self-directed not being told what to do and then you you deciding your own fate so that is one aspect of it but there's more to it so managing yourself managing your emotions managing your stress so that people around you don't feel the immediate effects of it right away. Because we all have mirror neurons in our brains and we pick up on it imperceptibly just really fast and at the subconscious level, emotions are contagious. So as a leader, if you're not managing yourself, then it's going to, the bad emotions are going to be contagious in the organization. And in, when that happens, then people around you don't feel safe. When people don't feel safe, then then of course they're not gonna you know go towards somebody who don't who they don't feel safe with, and then you can't have connection among the team. Then you cannot have any learning. Then you can't have innovation. So is, is that that means just all millennials are afraid of everything? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. My daughter it's, is for sure. Yeah, I don't know about that. It's just that's that's a different group. <laughs> yeah, that's a very like, different group. Yeah. Do you have do you have the solution for them? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we, anybody does. <laughs> when you know. find it, let me know because I have two of them and I haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. So going back to, like, it's closing the loop on what you, what you brought up and how do you teach them? It's about managing. So figuring out what's really going on. And I, I, you know, I respect my clients. And at the same time, I have a healthy dose of skepticism, skepticism when they tell me something. Like a parent. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, right. You do. Because exactly. you, yeah. you want to trust your child. Right. But right. you also need to make sure that you're not being too biased. Yeah. Right. Them. Exactly. So I have a, like, you know, a, an example is I have I had a client who came to my coaching session. So I believe that there are three elements that need to be combined together to uh, produce an effective change. What That is consulting 
um, and training and coaching. And you need to combine all three elements to make it a, I mean, to make the change stick, permanent change. So, so I, you know, I had a coaching client who came to a session and it was like a little bit bashful smile. And I said, well, what's happening? And he said, oh, well, I will on your, on my way to see you. I ran into this guy and instead of walking straight through, I just took a long way. And that's why I'm a couple <laughs> minutes late and said, okay, what was that about? And he said, oh, well, so he told me the story. So it turns out that he was in a um, product development uh, launch team with that guy. And um, so they both reported to the CEO as co-project head owner, the head, heads of the project. And and one day, that guy threw my client under the bus in front of the CEO when they missed the, um, the product launch date. Instead oh, of confronting him and then resolving the issue, he just took the next opportunity for a transfer. So, and then he transferred out of the, the department so he would never ever have to, you know, have to see him again. And I got curious and I started asking questions. Is this a common pattern for you? Do you like avoid conflict when there is a conflict? And then it turns out that so we started talking and then it turns out he saw a consistent pattern. And what he discovered was that when he was in kindergarten, they went on a field trip. And so, and then the teacher gave everyone a quarter and said, go, um, I mean, I, the, 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 the teacher gave everyone a cotton candy. And while he was eating, he dropped it and he was crying. The teacher came and said, why are you crying? I dropped my cotton candy. So he, so she gave him another corner and said, go get yourself another cotton candy. When he got to the cotton candy vendor, he didn't want a cotton candy anymore. He wanted a snow cone. So he got a snow cone instead. He was eating and then the teacher came and said, where'd you get that uh, from the quarter you gave me? I gave you that money to buy a snow cone, not, I mean, a cotton candy, not snow cone. And then he, she gathered everybody around and said, this is a prime example of disobedience and don't ever do this to me. And then he got so mortified from that experience. The the reptilian part of the brain, that is the subconscious brain, there was an equation that got formed that day from that traumatic experience. And that equation was, don't stand out. If you stand out, you will be humiliated. So because of that, he avoided hmm. any situation. From yeah, uh, from any situation where he would, that could potentially be a, a conflict, he would avoid it. So, and then he started putting the pieces together. Wait a minute. On high school, I was dating a prom queen. I, you know, she wanted to marry me, but then I, um, I didn't marry her because um, I came up with the, you know, reason for not marrying her. But uh, and then I had a scholarship to go to Virginia Tech all the way to East Coast. But I decided not to take that scholarship because I wanted to go to Utah State because I wanted to stay close to my family so I could protect them. But then, and then I had, so it, and then he said, all of that was because I wanted to avoid conflict, but not because of the other reasons that I gave myself. And it, and also he started talking about how, you know, he, his company had a, uh, a venture and he had invested in this company as a partner. And then his other partner and they, the company came to a point where they had to make an additional investment and he didn't want to take that risk. So he sold his share to the, his remaining partner and he sold that company to WordPerfect for like half a billion dollars. Oh, no. <laughs> so he didn't get, he didn't get to participate yeah. in that at all. And then he started crying. He said, wait a minute, all of this is because of that stupid snow cone. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens. So when wow. people tell me, 
I'm not going to, um, you know, Virginia Tech because I want, I want to go to Utah State because I want to protect my family. That is the intellectual alibi, but that's not really the whole picture. So if you don't, if you're not curious enough to actually dig deeper and help them understand what's really happening, then they're going to make suboptimal decisions. And the, uh, part of the job as, uh, as a coach is for me to be stay, or for me to stay curious enough to keep digging so that they can get to the self-awareness. So basically, you just ask why a bunch. <laughs> so how do, you, how, how do you fix something like that? Oh, here's the thing. You know, it's, it's almost like a, even if, so if you can imagine a dungeon that's like a 30 feet underground and it's completely like pitch black dark. And if there's any crack on the ground, I mean, in the cover, it doesn't matter how deep that dungeon is, the light still goes through. And you can still see the light. That's what happens with our brain. So even if it's buried deep in the subconscious, when you actually cortex brain gets involved and make the connection and say, wait a minute, that was not a belief. That's not a belief that has served me very effectively. And I use, I, I'm all, I've overused that brain. I mean, that, that program. I don't want to believe that anymore. And I'm going to replace it with a new belief. That's, and once you make that connection, that's how permanent change huh. happens. And the problem is in most of uh, other leadership development programs, they teach you skills without actually working through what's behind the, uh, the you know, the, the subconscious, I was saying the subconscious brain. So, for example, if there is a sales rep that doesn't produce results and it doesn't know, know how to close, and then you give them closing tools, for example, and then, or, you know, if, if somebody's not communicating well, then you give them, okay, communication skills, look them in the eye, use the eye statement, all that stuff. None of that matters if, if there's a program in the subconscious brain that's fear-based. This is don't look him in the eye. Maybe he was talked down to by his teacher. Who knows? Who knows? That's why it's like every day it's like a Christmas. You, know? <laughs> you, know, you don't know what's in it until you keep digging. And then you find a treasure trove. And then when they make the connection, their life gets transformed. Wow. So is that... I mean, is that radical innovation in a nutshell? At the personal level. That's, <laughs> at the, that's at the personal level. So that's all about managing yourself so that you can choo you choose positive mental models. You are resilient and you don't pass stress, the full impact of stress to your team. You manage yourself. Then you can provide safety for people around you. Once they feel safe, then the, the, the lowest la layer of your brain, uh, the needs of the lowest layer of, of your brain, re reptilian brain, needs are met that's all about safety and survival the next layer up is the limbic system it's all about connection once you feel safe then you approach uh, the source of um, you know affection and love and then you feel close to them and then you form this you know bond that helps you breathe and 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 talk and 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 act like a one living organism and you when you create that and the synergy from that is what makes it possible for you to reach out and venture out and then explore and then try different things without the fear of um, consequences, fear of it's punishment. Like a safety net. Yes, it's it's like you need to feel safe and then you need to feel connected. And so when you, when you feel safe and connected, you can take risks and you can explore and knowing my boss has got my back. No, even if I screw up and no, even if I fail, he's got my back and he's going to help me. When you have that, then and then you accumulate the learning from each iteration of your learning I mean, trial and error, and when the, uh, the those results, cumulative results explode through the uh, the pass through the uh, critical inflection point, that's what becomes radical innovation. 
So people have like a kind of an erroneous, um, you know, myth about what innovation is. It's not some, you know, VP of innovation or whatever you, you know, appoint somebody uh, in charge of the innovation department, quote unquote, and then you give them but the budget and people and say, go make innovation happen. That's not how it happens. It's a serendipitous result, meaning it's, it's accidental. You just try different things and people aren't going to go try different things if they don't feel safe and they don't feel connected. That's why it's crucial to have these pieces in first and, and then you know, you create this culture of risk-taking and learning, and that's what's going to create innovation. Wow. What happens when you see that the leaders are the ones that are, it's not the people <laughs> that are the problem, but it's the leaders that are the problem. How do you yeah. How do you start at the top and work your way down versus you see you have a strong structure? Especially you, since these are probably the guys paying. Or like, yeah, exactly. or like with that woman. <laughs> yeah, or like yeah. with the woman you started your story with. She's yeah. very aggressive. Right. You didn't feel comfortable with her. Right, how do right, you, right. So most of the time, what I do is with my corporate clients is that what I call, I build a burning platform and then I show them the burning platform. So any living organism or organization, those two words have the same ideology. So they, you know, it, their same principles apply. Any living organism that doesn't change as fast as the environment is, is bound to face extin extinction. That's just what's going to happen. You could, so it's all about change. So then how are you going to change faster than the environment? That's the only way that you're going to survive in this you know, fast-changing environment. <clears throat> so to make, and at the end of the day, leaders are paid to make good decisions. And to make good decisions, you need three components. One is information. The second thing is accountability. And three is authority. You need to have all three elements to make a good decision. And what's happening um, is that the change of, um, the speed of change in the, in the environment has now exceeded the change with, I mean, the speed with which the information can travel from the edge of the organization, all the travel all the way up to the top of the organization and have the decisions made and have they come down. And then by the time the decisions are, are at the edges of the organization where the information lives, the situation has changed already on the it's ground irrelevant. and it's irrelevant anymore. You, there, you can't use that decision anymore. That's how you become extinct. So the, it, the na nature of information is such it, is that information lives on the edges of the organization. The edges of the organization are with cash register cashiers, CSR, customer service representatives on the phone. Uh, production line uh, operators on you know production lines. Those are all at the, at the edges of the organization because that's where the organization interacts with the environment, and that's where information is freshest and it's most relevant and it's newest and that's where the information lies. And then what's then what do we need to do? Uh, you know uh, because the change has exceeded a uh, change of um, the speed of change has exceeded uh, how. The speed of change in the environment has exceeded the speed with which the information can travel up through the ranks and come to have the decision come down because information is at the edges, but the, the accountability and authority are up at the top. The decoupling has happened, which is, make, which is making it impossible for, for good decisions to be made. So then what do you, do, what do you need to do? Can you just force the information to reside on the top? No, that doesn't. That's not reality. That's not practical. It doesn't. It's not going to work. So what is it? Yeah, ex exactly. Have that authority and um, uh, accountability come down. That's the case. For, that's the real case for um, 
delegation. That's a real case for uh, breaking down the hierarchies in the organization. That's why you need to do that. That makes sense. That's why you see a lot of really successful companies like Nordstrom that give their their customer service reps at the at the point of sale mm -hmm. the authority to do things like, okay, I'll refund your four tires that mm -hmm. we don't even sell because that creates a better customer experience, that, mm -hmm. that, that sort of activity. As opposed to other places where you need help and everybody, I have to go talk to my manager. Let me go right. talk to my manager. Exactly. Have you ever yeah. bought a car? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Jess. That's okay. Jess works at a car. She doesn't actually well. sell cars, so she's fine no. with it. <laughs> I'm just a researcher. <laughs> You're good at it, though. So how did you make all of those connections? Through your studies? Through oh, yeah. School? I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So all those, uh, you know, disciplines coming together and seeing those, you know, how those pieces fit together. I think, I mean, so my undergrad is in accounting and I worked in marketing right after. Um, so like a couple of years after. Um, and then I got my strategy consulting experience and then I did uh, marketing and then uh, now I'm doing HR. And so like, you know. I am doing like it's a hodgepodge, but that those that's the the hodgepodge of experiences is precisely what's making it possible for me to see a thin thread that cuts across all of those very different disciplines. Well, how many people have all those different types of experiences bundled together and have the wherewithal to actually pick up on those threads? So yeah, writing the book is probably <laughs> probably was a good decision. I loved it though. I love the process. It's a you know arduous process. And you said it took you three years. Yeah, it's because it's very research based. I was just gonna say you probably had to do a ton of there you yeah. go, Jess. So how did you it write a book? <laughs> you research yeah. like crazy. It's, so, it's research based. How does that? How does your book compare to a book like one of the books that I just near and dear to my heart in recent years is Freakonomics. Okay. And, and the way that that book's laid out and the, yeah. the studies and, and <coughs> it sounds a lot like somewhat yeah. the kind of stuff that you're drawing conclusions from. So yeah. how does your book compare to that? Well, it's kind of like similar approach. They're more funny. Yeah, they are. <laughs> they're quite, they're quite yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're, they're gifted in that. So anyways, they're more funny. But it's, uh, it's, it's my book is very much research-based and at the same time, it's unique in that it gives you practical tools that you can use today. So it's that's the one of the compliments I've gotten about my book is that it, there aren't too many books that are research based and that are academic and at the same time very practical and giving you a, a tangible tools. Yeah, because Freakonomics doesn't give you a tangible tool. They said <laughs> the, the most tangible thing you get out of there is ten thousand hours. <laughs> it's interesting though. Very interesting. It's very it's, interesting yeah. to see the, the the threads and the stuff that they yeah. come up with from yeah. from studies. So so how do you work with somebody like that? So so you've got somebody like you're talking about that obviously has personal issues or something, yeah. but you have to work with that person. How, right. So they may not be up the chain or down the chain. They're kind of on your level, but how do you work with somebody like that? Well, so that's why the, that's when the, all the, you know, dues, dues that you've paid in building safety and connection for your team pay huge dividends. Cause when you become curious and start digging and then when they don't feel safe, they're not going to open up to you. So it doesn't mean you're going to be a you know therapist for every you know for your sure. team. It doesn't mean that, but just become you become a coach for your team. So instead of being a manager or you know, it's it's more of a coach. Coach and the most important job of a coach is an is a objective, supportive bystander who um, can shed a light in a dark corner that they've never seen before. 
and then you shoot, you, you take them to a corner and then, sh- you know, you put the flashlight over and say, did you see this? Did you know it was there? They go, holy mackerel. That's what happens. That's, that's what, a, you know, a coach's job is. Hmm. So at what, at what point then do you empower, you know, the leadership that you're talking to, to stop giving chances because eventually I mean there are some people that just won't pick up on it I would assume <laughs> I mean I, I've, I've managed a lot of people in my yeah. career uh-huh. and and there are some people that just don't get it yeah, they don't well, understand that you have to come to work you know? <laughs> well that is okay so it's just you know to try different areas different um, you know disciplines or different functions or something but you know if, if somebody's doing that there's something else going on so always having the benefit of that, okay, what's really going on here? And, uh, you know, be a coach. So that's why when I do corporate engagements, you know, after we do training and consulting, then I, we have a program to te- you know, coaching the co- coach the coaches, basically, so that they can become coaches for their own team. So do you start with the leadership? Do you ever work with the, the fringe people like a CSR or something like no, that? No, not so typically. You just teach them how to get the best Correct. out of their... Correct. Yeah. Well, I have to agree that I've got groups of people that I work with and there are some that are pleasant to work with and it seems like we get a lot done. Mm-hmm. There are others that it's just painful to work with right. them and things just don't seem to go anywhere. Right. So it's obvious yeah. that if, if you can be in sync, yeah. things just go so much better. Yeah. And it's not just, a, it's a, you know, feel good kind of a concept. You know, my research revealed that people are will, willing to give up. Um, so the 39% of their compensation to work for a boss who provides the safety, connection, and learning needs. So well, that's like, you know, if you can imagine. And then these people who took my survey, their annual compensation was 176000 so, I mean, think about that. And they almost 40% of that compensation is based on the quality of the boss. And that is that has a, you know, just straight bottom line impact. I left a job I loved because I couldn't, I couldn't work with my boss anymore. Well, there you go. You know, yeah. And now I have a boss that I like and a job that I don't like so much, but, <laughs> but it's I tolerable, like the boss. Right? Yes, yeah. So tolerable. the work is, is is easier to do because right. the person that I work for is, mm-hmm. is easier to work but for. You reach a point where the money doesn't matter. It does. Absolutely. It does, but yeah. not exactly. You can't let it, you can't let it dictate your life yeah. anymore. Yeah. So um, the research, and I talk about that, that precise point in my, in my book. The research says up to about, that was a few years ago, 76,000. So I, I want to say maybe up to about 80,000. Um, the level of happiness and the amount of money you make are perfectly correlated and so it goes up like this and then after that it the money and the happiness level plateaus and then but you know the money keeps going up but then there's a divergence meaning it doesn't matter how much more money you make after that point that is where your you know basic needs are met and then maybe you can have simple vacations here and there but after that more money doesn't equate to you know, more happiness. It usually means more stress the more money you have. It's <laughs> true. Right. I mean, there, there does become a point where, you know, because of the money that you're making, a lot of times you're expected to be in a, uh, a different kind of light, a different kind of position, and, and that yeah. brings on a lot more stress. It's very stressful. Well, and then going back to what you're saying, we've all had bosses 
that are a walking stress ball. Oh, and yeah. you can tell you don't have, you just yeah. know. And You're they, avoiding them at all costs. They, yes. uh, they come in the room and it just, everybody can sense it. Right, so that's exactly. not good. That's not exactly. good for anybody. That's why self-management is the most foundational building block for good leadership. It makes sense. Yeah. So you got to do that. And it's emotions are contagious, like I said. So how long have you had the, the company that you that you have now? Four years. Four years. That's, mm-hmm. that's a lot. And you've done, I assume, a, a bunch at this point of yeah. corporate trainings yeah. and leadership seminars. Do you ever do big seminars that are not specific company-based? No, because it includes consulting, meaning so when there are certain people who participate, a certain amount of people, number of people participate in the, in the assessment, then I can get a very clear picture of where the pockets are, the leadership development holds, and then where their strengths are. And then that's what they need to work on so that we can close the gap. And, you know, it's all about innovation, their capability to deliver innovation. So, you know, other programs, you know, if if you think about, for example, you know, Circuit City or Blockbusters, I'm sure they had leadership (laughs) development programs, but it didn't keep them from going out of business. Why is that? It's because when you look, think about Y equals AX plus B and what are we solving for when we're training leaders, it has to be about innovation. It can't be about, oh, performance. What does performance mean? Well, quarterly earnings or whatever. What are, what is, what are we solving for when we're teaching, you know, training leaders? It has to be about innovation. It's like standardized testing for students. <laughs> <laughs> what are we solving for? So we're solving for uh, passing the test and not actually learning anything <laughs> at that point. <laughs> so this is—it's not just a, a one-day seminar. You're working with a company for a while, I'm assuming. Correct. That's correct. So it's a—it's a seminar. It's a three days, but we can we can do like one day a month or something like that. But then when, once you go through the you know seminar, I mean, and and, and the, the training program. It's based on the consulting, and then and then the real work starts. The coaching—that's where, yeah, that that's where change happens. Because if you think about it, any organizational change initiative gets implemented at the individual level. People are the ones that are making it happen. It's not the program that's going to produce change. It's not, uh, you know, the CEO, uh, you know, speech that's going to produce change. That those things all help. But at the end of the day, it's in it's each individual employee employees, they are the ones that are actually going to make change happen at the individual level. And they've got to accept it and buy into exactly. it. Exactly. They, they can't just be like, okay, that's the policy. They actually right. have to, that's exactly right. to be on board. I feel like you have to have very, you, meaning you, besides all the research and the education, have to have a very good intuition as oh, well. Oh, absolutely. Intuition is really important. Really, really important to do my work. Especially because you're, I mean, you're, you're, reading these yeah. groups and yeah. and, yes. and evaluating where they are where they need to be yeah that's a gift yeah absolutely it's just like i you know <laughs> my joke with i say with my clients is that i see people <laughs> <laughs> okay so you do watch movies <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> when you were when you were writing your book because i'm i like to think i'm i'm pretty smart and educated but uh, some of the terms I was just like this is so much information and so many big words and when you were writing your book uh, is there a very specific audience or were you hoping that you could I hate to use the term dumb it down but were you writing for eighth graders or were you writing making sure that everybody could get something out of it yeah so that was that that is what one of the you know (laughs) 
points that I struggled with the most about that because these concepts are not simple concepts. They're pretty complex. They're, yeah. <laughs> and there's a certain level that I could not, uh, you know, I could not go past where, where it had to be. It just, I, I can't, it, it, by dumbing it down for, so to speak, it would not do justice to the concept. So I had to just do the very best I could so that it could be accessible to the general public at the same time. There are critical concepts that I had to communicate, meaning uh, there could be some people who would find the contents of the book a little bit hard. It's not like, you know, uh, what is it, you know, the, maybe, I don't know, it's, it's is that like really a, simple. Is that like a brief history of time hard or is it? <laughs> yes, I read that book as well. So it's, well, maybe, maybe. But it's, it, I, that's why I try to put a lot of anecdotes and a lot of case studies so that people can relate that's, to them. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a good way to learn in my opinion because... Yeah. If you have an it's example, relatable. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then you can maybe find where you fit in that example. Yeah. Oh, I could maybe I'm a. Yeah. So how do you how do you fall in line with some of the other? I mean, there's this this is a self help has always been something that's been available. Mm -hmm. um, and and as long as books have been published in the modern era, especially post industrial revolution, mm -hmm. those have been very popular books. So you're talking about like the the. Seven Habits of Highly Effective mm. People and... Um, Who moved my cheese? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, what is it? Blink? Uh, yes. And, yes. Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. And yep. the, the tipping point that Gladwell wrote. And um, like I read a lot of stuff on game of, gamification, like mm -hmm. Jane McGonagall. Mm -hmm. um, where do you fit in amongst all that? Do a lot of those... Do you find that a lot of those things kind of all intertwine or some of them just kooks? And you can be honest. Yeah. I don't so, think they listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. So, well, so some of, most of the business books out there, they just take on one or two or three baby simple concepts and then expand it using the whole book. That's, you know, that's most of how business books are written. And I could, I could not do that. I really, really tried to pick up just one or two or three simple concepts that I could... Uh, it's not possible when I'm trying to, you know, tie all this because of that thread. Yes, exactly. So it can't be like that. So it's very. Um, so when you read my book, you'll see, oh, my gosh, this is related to that. Oh, and that and that. Her book is like Game of Thrones. You have to really pay attention because the characters <laughs> come into play later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my like gosh. I don't later. know they gave. <laughs> but, but people have told me they started reading my book thinking it's, it's you know, one of those. And then they started, go, wait, I am in chapter two. Now I have to go back and start in chapter one again. Because they thought it was like, book. you know, they're going, you know, really, oh, wait, I can't just flash through the book. But it's, it will, what will also help you do is that it will help you understand the governing principle of the universe and the mysteries in life. I know this is like, a, you know, too much of a promise for a you know business book. So, but that's, that's how it is because it's all based on. Complexity theory, which governs, um, you know, a lot of the, the the phenomena that we see or we don't see. And when you actually, you know, pay attention, start paying attention to the principles of complexity theory, you go, whoa, I never saw this before. But it will help you make sense. The book will make it help you make sense of what you see. So can I go to Barnes and Noble and get a hard copy yeah. tomorrow? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I know I'm going to go buy them for all my bosses. Well, I, <laughs> I was telling Bree when, when we were looking through your bio and yeah. watching your TED Talk and stuff, I'm like, that sounds like the book I want to read on my cruise because that's the kind of stuff I like. Oh, he was yeah. telling me yeah, yeah, yeah. he needed a book for his cruise. And yeah. 
That's, yeah. I mean, a lot of people will read like smut novels or some fantasy <laughs> novel or a, you know, true crime. No, You're no. an intellectual. I love reading that kind of stuff. Mm. It, it really, anything that I have to read like four times in a row to understand, that's my favorite. He likes to read math books. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You're a true intellectual. Well, I don't know about that. But <laughs> but that's the kind of stuff I like to read. He comes in handy when, you're, when your kids are, yeah. you know, both science majors. So, oh, my goodness. You know. Yeah. So, yeah, the, but the book is not just for intellectuals. It's it's written for the general public with in mind. And that's why there's a lot of, you'll see it like, you know, the jokes I could come up with were all from the 80s. And they're like, you're writing about the rad- about radical innovation. Your jokes are way outdated. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing wrong so, with the 80s. <laughs> speaking of the, the books for anyone, this is this is a question that's maybe a little bit out there. Um, but we have a president who who speaks and reads at a sixth grade level. Um, <laughs> he's brilliant though because he's reaching the mass, you know, yeah, general I mean, public. He's, he's reaching yeah. a huge, a huge yeah. chunk of the the public. Yeah. I mean, is there advice that you would give him? Are are there things that you see that he's doing <sighs> that you would? <laughs> okay, so I didn't want to um, turn this into a political discussion because I don't want to alienate half the population. But from a leadership perspective, yeah. not, not a policy perspective, right. because obviously that's, that's a whole different thing. That's from a, what you do. You train people to... Right. But from yeah. a leadership perspective, is there yeah. advice that you can give him? And, and even beyond him, is there advice that you would give other political leaders uh-huh. that, that are running countries. Transparency creates safety. Mm. So, so you think his, his number of tweets makes things a lot safer? Like, well, so there are certain things that he's not transparent about. There are certain things that, I mean, he's more accessible because he's tweeting every day. So yeah. like people are like, that Especially I'm sure, if you're up at three in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm sure that <laughs> it's, Trump is sustaining like, you know, 50% of Twitter stock price. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't hear about Twitter having huge prices problems right like, like yeah. Instagram and Snapchat make a change and things are massively like, oh, stock's going up and yeah. down. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, so it's, a you know, Transparency and complete honesty that creates safety for people. And, um, you know, my Harvard Business Review research found that, you know, ethical and strong ethical and moral, moral values are the number one attribute that people are looking for among the 72 attributes that we tested. And that is consistent throughout the globe. Depend, it doesn't matter which region, doesn't matter across genders, it doesn't matter. It's the universal principle. High ethical and moral um, uh, reasoning, moral standards, that's the number one criteria. The reason is is because if you're ethical, that means you are transparent, you're honest, and you know the rules of the game by which you can play the game. When you do that, people feel safe. Because you can what, trust what exactly, they're saying. Exactly, and that's why it's so important. People can tolerate losing the game a lot more than not knowing the rules of the game. When you're not ethical, your rules change. Then you go, okay, what rules are, what game am I playing? What rules am I playing by? Then you don't feel safe. That's why I don't like playing games with Josh. (laughs) (laughs) We have a friend that changes the rules in the middle of the game. Okay, so that's not, not, yeah, that's not not good. It's not on purpose, but. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So that's, we need to remember that. So you're you're a contributing editor with Forbes? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, not uh, editor, not a contributor. An editor. Wow. Not an editor, but contributor. Oh, a contributing. A contributor for Forbes yes. magazine. Yeah. Um, how, how is that? I mean, are you writing 
you know, columns on a regular basis with them? Or? I did a lot more, but it's just like when my, after my book came out, oh my gosh, it became so busy. So I need to do more. So I'm, you know, I'm in the process of writing one more, but it's just, I used to do five um, a month. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, that's a lot. So, yeah, exactly. That's so not like a small it. contribution. <laughs> yeah, that's so, close to staff. Yeah, you should be. Level. Yeah, that's like editor writing. <laughs> yeah, so, it's, so I'm, I'm probably going to be doing maybe one or two a month now. It's just because it, I put a lot into each article that I write. I don't want to just put something, you know, you know, low quality out there. It's not Maxim. They're they're <laughs> they're not fluff articles in Forbes. <laughs> so so you mentioned um, before we started that you're going to Austria. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so how did how did you get invited to go speak? There? Oh, the um, the organizer um, contacted me uh, um, through email and asked me if I could speak. And that's how it happened. It's the, the Peter Drucker Global Peter Drucker Com- Annual Forum, Annual Conference. So that's it happens once a year. And um, so Clay Christensen's coming. And uh, the CEO of IDEO is coming as well. So we're all going to be convening and uh, just talking about innovation, the human side of innovation. Wow. That's really cool. That is really cool. Do you think you'll ever do another TED Talk? Is that an invite oh thing? Is that, that was how that so works? good. Thank I, you. I really enjoyed watching it um, and and the slides that would pop up so you could just kind of see a little bit into what you were saying yeah. to give a visual. Yeah. Uh, because when you start to talk about numbers and percentages, yeah. it is hard to just hear it in right. words. Yeah. So I think that, that, that you did a good job of yeah. every once in a while popping something up that yeah. you could see for a second and go, okay, yeah, that's what she's talking about <laughs> and take it in for a second. Yeah, but that was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. I was going to say, how do you convince? Because <laughs> wow. we've talked about a lot of stuff in broad spectrum and, and we've been talking for almost an hour now. How do you condense into 15 minutes because TED Talks I mean they're really supposed yeah. to be even less than that they're, yeah, they're exactly. so short so that's the thing because I you know so first of all the the, the uh, vetting process is really really rigorous so they you know maybe several hundred people applied and you know only a handful of them got selected and mine was one of them you know I felt very fortunate and after that I so I turned in my man, you know script manuscript and they said cut it half I cut it half <laughs> like oh, these are like really important concepts cut it so i i give them like in a half the size and they cut it half in half again i'm like oh, you are killing me so so i started with like a lot more principles and then i had to cut 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 and then they ended up with just you know three principles there's a lot more you know that my book talks about all of them but i couldn't possibly talk about all of them so i just talked about three principles of radical innovation but it was a good experience the ted talk oh absolutely it's just like a love-hate relationship oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> well, it was good because you got on you got in a little bit of your personal side you got in what the concepts of of what you're trying to teach people yeah um <clears throat> did, you, you really did i think you did a great job because you i've watched some that are really emotional ones and, mm-hmm. and really intellectual ones and i think you did a good yeah. job Thank you. It was because I had to word memorize word for word the whole thing. And just like I did it hundreds of times. I'm not even kidding. And I went to even high school and then delivered that, you know, speech to high school kids. And so I can practice. And uh, the last, I mean, the actual performance day, I was doing it. And then I blanked out. I'm like, oh, oh, no. oh <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> I was just like staring 2000 people. I'm like, uh, I am lost. <laughs> so that like that 10 seconds felt like, it, you know, 10 hours. It was so horrible. I, yeah, I, I can't picture 
the time that it, that you're that you're mentioning. Oh, they cut so. it, so they edited oh. it out. <laughs> I was gonna say I don't. <laughs> they edited you standing there for ten seconds. They edited that out. I was like, oh my gosh, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> the beauty of modern magic. Yeah. <laughs> and then my daughter was sitting in the back watching me, and she was mouthing in the words I was saying because she she heard Cause it she so many times. <laughs> yes, she heard it so many times. She was mouthing the words for me, and I couldn't see because my eyes are bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, that they, the they put lights. that big bright yeah. light, yeah. everything around you yeah. dark, which is probably good because then you can't see that there are thousands of faces staring back at you. <laughs> so I have I have one more question yeah. for you and then we'll uh, we'll kind of do some plugs and let you go. Okay. Um, we ask this of every guest that's on the show. So you have made Utah your home. Um, yeah. It's, it's your choice. You've traveled around the world. You're yeah. from Korea. Um, what's one thing that you would ask, you would tell someone visiting the state of Utah that they needed to do before they left? Oh my goodness. Um, to make to I guess to make the best out of their experience of coming to Utah is that yeah. what you mean? Yeah, like what's one thing that you would tell them they need to go do? Oh, go do in Utah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Okay, I would say go to uh, the Mirror Lake. Mirror Lake, huh? Yeah. Uh. It's because like when I went there, it's uh. It's uh, oh, I had a, like almost a spiritual experience just being in just being in in um, I guess uh, being in contact with n- nature, and in when I saw the reflections and and uh, you know seeing it just it's really it's magnificent and magnificent it's almost awe inspiring when you connect with nature, and you just you know it you ha- the moment has to be right. I was alone, and I was just in the moment and just absorbing everything that was happening around me. It's just, uh, it's beautiful. And it's not just Mirror Lake. It's uh, the, uh, what's that, uh, Cottonwood Waterfalls. Oh, it's like, uh, not Stewart Falls, because those are up in... Uh, beautiful. Donut Falls. Donut yes, Falls. beautiful, yeah. beautiful. And I was there, and again, I had that, again, that, you know, communing with, with nature experience there as well. Just, you know, the water coming down is, you know, Thousands of gallons a you know, minute coming down. It's beautiful. Do they have anything like that in South Korea? They, so they do, and it's a little bit different. The hills are not like a Rocky Mountain-ish, but it's more rolling hills. Rolling hills. Yeah, more rolling hills because it's older. It's a, you know older uh, um, in, in, in geological age. Mm-hmm. It's much yeah. older there, and um, it's... But it's and it's it's beautiful. It's it's uh, yeah, Korea is beautiful. The pictures I've seen are beautiful. Yeah. It's one of the places I want to go for sure. So uh, real quick again, what's the name of your book? The New Science of Radical Innovation. And people can get that anywhere mm-hmm. on book. Amazon. <laughs> yeah, anywhere <laughs> good anywhere books are sold. Yeah, anywhere <laughs> books are sold. But yeah. yeah. Um, and what about the name of your company? If people want to reach out and, and have you come help them. Yeah, Quantum Leadership Group. And my website is sunnygiles.com. S-U-N-N-I-E-G-I-L-E-S.com. You practice at this. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I haven't practiced. <laughs> we, have, we have a lot of people come she just on knows and they're like, to spell her I, name. Got a, I got a website. Okay, what is it? And then they don't even remember their website. <laughs> I mean, at least it's your name. It's probably yes, a lot easier it's easy, to, yeah. to do. Um, well, thanks very much for, for joining us, Sunny. It's been, a, it's been a really, really enlightening conversation. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a delight. <laughs> all of you are so amazing. It's really <laughs> fun to visit with all of you. Thank you. That's going to do it for the show. Thanks again to our guest, Sunny, Dr. Sunny Giles. Giles? Giles. Giles. 
can say right. I asked soft her like G. three times. She Giles. told you. I even wrote G. it down as a J because that would be Julia Giles J. Mm-hmm. Jelly. Like Julia Gulia. But I <laughs> go buy no, her. No, not book. Gulia, because that would be Giles Gulia. That's Since. true. <laughs> um, yeah, but go buy her book. I'm gonna go buy her book. Hopefully, Barnes and Noble has it. Um, or I don't. You could if if they don't, you could call like the Golden Braid or something. I could pick I mean, it up down down Sanders or something. I, I mean, <laughs> technically, I could order it from Amazon and get it here by Friday. Yeah, you could. You could if you ordered order it tonight. tonight. Yeah. I could order it tomorrow and get it here on Saturday. Hell, it might be. But you can go on Barnes and Noble, and it'll tell you what locations have it. Have you guys yeah, noticed with Amazon, the Amazon local delivery is happening more and more frequently? Yes. Like and you. I got stuff on Sunday uh, yep. that I ordered on Friday because it was oh, local. I did too. Have you used the locker thing yet? Because I saw that the other day when I ordered something that you mm. could go to a locker. I guess it's like a storage unit. You go open it and take whatever you want. What? I'm not sure how it works, but <laughs> take whatever you want. I think so. Uh, anyway, thanks again to our guest. Uh, check out our book. That was a really, really fun conversation with a, a fucking amazing. It was very enlightening. Um, follow us on our, you know, our, our Twitter account at TNU Podcast. Uh, go out to our website, thenewutah.com. Uh, check out Facebook. Um, we share so much shit; it's not even funny. Uh, if you are looking for something to do, go check out our Twitter feed. Um, Jess is a monster when it comes to sharing stuff. Um, if you want to be on the show, reach out. Uh, we'll get you in maybe at some point, unless you're a douche. Um, <laughs> we, do res- we do reserve the right. It's our show. We don't get paid to do this. We do this out of the, the kindness of our hearts because we enjoy it. So if we don't think you're going to be a cool person to talk to, I'm not going to talk to you. You uh, didn't even know till they were here anyways. Probably true. <laughs> I'd look like the day before. Oh, fuck. Who's the guest? <laughs> um, but uh, if you like what you hear, please share the episode. Um, that's actually what, what helps us the most is, is for you to get that word out and, and share um, what you like. Um, and if you like a different episode, share that other episode. Um, it's a podcast. Other than events, it's fairly timeless. Uh, we do talk about some news, but we we try to we try to stay general. Pretty relevant. Yeah, we and it's it's all about Utah. In case you didn't know, after the two hours that you just listened to, so have a good night, folks. Uh, there will be an episode next week, regardless of my vacation and Bree's vacation. Uh, we don't miss a beat. We don't repeat content. We don't do best ofs. We will have another episode for you. It'll be a very fun, very special episode uh, that has not yet been recorded as you listen to this. So, uh, Or maybe it has if you listen to this in three <laughs> weeks. I don't know. <laughs> By the way, if you listen to this... You know like, what? You're rambling. I am. But if you listen to this show like three weeks later, there's a big chunk of the show that's probably useless to you. But that's okay. Yeah. I mean, you could skip forward. Maybe we should start time stamping it. That's for someone no. else. That's for another time. They need to be forced to listen to it.